Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pixide Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Andrew Velez and Joel Dells. And this is now episode 143. In this episode, we are going to talk about Big Ben's farewell, Antonio Brown, the Bengals clinching the AFC North, the Dolphins outlook, big time week 18 matchups and more. A quick Patreon shout out to Freddie, Dylan, Playboy, Orlando, Chris, Charles, Michael, Greg, Cole, On Bloods, Ka, Liam, T Grove, B Money, Ryan, Epic Lankiness, Travis Ball, Aaron Moran, Matthew Jimenez, It's Black Ace, Anthony, BJ, PJs, Mario, Langston, Jazzy Juice, Johannes, Ruben, Brian, Ricky, E, Enzo, Sean, Muffins, John, Sean Triplett, Court Cousins, Ben Mack, P. Dot, George, Hakari, Mateen, Dave Two Freedom, and Jay Aqua. Good old Jay Aqua, man. Good so old Jay Aqua. Today, to the Zoom now. Today is a special episode. It's Pick Aside Quarantine Zoom Edition. Right now, I'm sick. I haven't gotten tested for COVID yet. Not sure if I have COVID, but my dad's girlfriend does have it. So odds are I probably do have it. Um, and we have 40 patrons. That was a long list of names that I just read there. Thank crazy. you guys so much for supporting us through Patreon. We appreciate it. We just launched merch, by the way. I'm wearing a Pick Aside hoodie right now. We got different flavors, different colors for y'all. Yes, so you sir. can tune in yes, at pickasidepodcast.com slash shop. Tell you what, shout out to the Patreons. You guys have been going crazy with it. Um, the merch has been going crazy too. I appreciate you guys, uh, taking a look at the merchandise. You guys are liking what you're seeing and, and we appreciate all the feedback you guys have given us. Um, the merch pick aside.com pick aside podcast.com. Excuse me. Again, you can go to the shop. You can get some hoodies. Now we got a variety of colors. We got the three t-shirts, the hoodies. Shout out to my cousin, Joey Barreto. Hoodies are fire. Yeah. He did his absolute thing with all the merchandise. He, he really took, he went above and beyond for what we asked of him. We really are appreciative of him. So send him some love, Joey Barreto. And we really appreciate you, bro. And just before we start the show, uh, make sure you guys put your phones on do not disturb. So we don't oh, get that vibration. <laughs> Drew. So you hear Drew's vibrating over here. First I'm, time, bro. Come on. Come, being, I'm sorry, bro. I forget sometimes. I just put mine on the end. Being sick has brought its luxuries. I watched uh, all the Spider-Man movies today. The Amazing Spider-Man okay. 1 and 2. And I'm going to say this. I, I think Andrew Garfield was a better Spider-Man than Tom Holland. That's just me. I think I think I it's like a, it's a hot take. I don't think it's, it's a hot take. Believe it or not, actually, people say this is like the thing that Tobey Maguire is the best Peter Parker. Tom Holland, excuse me, Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man. And the best combination of the two is Tom Holland. Okay, so that's fair. I, under, I understand what he's saying. Andrew Garfield played a great Spider-Man. But his Peter Parker is trash. You it's think it is? Good. You think it is? I don't personally. I feel like the way, like his interactions with Gwen, especially in Amazing Spider-Man Two, I feel like they're just so not what Peter Parker is. I feel like you go and you watch the first three Spider-Man movies. That's Peter Parker, really. That kind of dorky, quirky type individual who, just like, is still trying to figure out things as he goes, but he isn't like an overly confident dude, like. Andrew, how Andrew Garfield plays in Amazing Spider-Man 2, or Amazing Spider-Man, period. Then you look at Tom Holland, 
That that really is the guy right there. He knows how to incorporate not only Peter Parker, but Spider-Man. But I definitely understand what you're saying about Andrew Garfield being a great Spider-Man. I was watching uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I think it was Spider-Man 2 where he saves MJ, Mary Jane. and That's every Spider-Man. Yeah, 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 you're right. And she's like, who are you? And then he's like, you know who I am. And she's like, who? And he's like, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And goes. <laughs> and that just reminded me of all the memes that they have of that moment. And I searched it up on YouTube. And there was this one that was so funny to me. I was dying laughing. Uh, she was like, who are you? And then Spider-Man, it turns like to Spider-Man. And he's like, my name's Jeff. I was, just, <laughs> I I was dying, bro. Yeah, I saw that buddy. video. They got like a compilation of it. But yeah, I've, I've been sick these past couple of days, but I couldn't miss this show. We actually were supposed to record yesterday, but I felt really bad yesterday. But this show I couldn't miss because, man, oh man, Drew, your boy Tua. Oof. Rough week for the your brand. Your boy Tua. Rough what, week for the brand for sure. It's definitely not the best time to be Andrew Velez. That being said, we're here. We persevere. We've been ready. We've been preparing. It's going to be a great show. Now, moving on to the first topic of the show, Antonio Brown, the Buccaneers, the outburst at MetLife. Antonio Brown, he refused to go back into a game, took his pads off, took his shirts off, took his shirt off, threw it in the stands, and he just, you know, waved to the crowd. What did you think of that moment? There are a lot of different information out there there's a lot of different information out there on twitter some say it's because antonio brown had incentives some were that some were saying that he was hurt and he didn't want to go back in because he was that hurt what are your thoughts on it the bucks haven't released antonio brown yet they still have his rights which is kind of weird in my opinion but what do you think about that situation go ahead drew this is this is drew's guy so i'm very curious to hear his thoughts this is pretty difficult for me personally because I do like Antonio Brown. I am a fan of Antonio Brown. And over these last few years, it's been difficult to be an Antonio Brown supporter publicly, visibly showing him love because what he does on the field is second to none. He's one of the best receivers the game has ever seen. And it's unfortunate that people are going to take away the negatives from his career more so than they're going to take away the positives. Antonio Brown should be a first ballot hall of famer. In my opinion, what I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say one of the most talented, one of the most hardworking individuals that this game has ever seen. However, his inability to, to a degree, Uh. keep it together and not put the team first has really halted the image of what people think about Antonio Brown. Now, in this specific instance, I'm actually going to defend Antonio Brown. He has had this angle (laughs) over these last couple weeks. He's been struggling to stay on the field with it. The Buccaneers as a whole have been banged up. So I can understand why the head coaches would want Antonio Brown, who already has suited up, has apparently the capabilities to return to the game. Now, Arians is asking him, hey, go into the game. He asked him not once, but twice. He's saying, hey, A.B., go into the game, play. We need you right now. A.B. felt in his mind that he was not prepared to go onto the field. What are you going to say to a player when he when he tells you, hey, I just don't think I'm physically capable capable of going right now? This isn't an important game in the grand scheme of things. I understand that they were still fighting for the number one seed. Uh, if if the Packers had lost, they would have had the chance to, to clinch that one seed or be in the position to secure the one seed and secure a bye. That being said, it's against the Jets. The, the, the Buccaneers are clearly the better team. It was not essential for Antonio Brown to go into the game. 
But nevertheless, Arians wanted Antonio Brown to get onto the field. Antonio Brown said, I'm not going in. I don't feel capable of going. And Bruce Arians apparently, allegedly, cut him on the sideline. Basically said, get off the field. You're off the team. Now, do I think Antonio Brown should have acted the way he did? Probably not. I mean, that was a little bit too much, in my opinion. He took off his jersey. He was throwing a fit. He basically waved goodbye to the fans like on as like a farewell tour almost. And that's pretty much what Antonio Brown's been, a little bit more about antics as opposed to football, even though I know that's not the case. I know that Antonio Brown, when it comes to being on that field, there are, are very few better than him, even still at this point in his career. It's just unfortunate that they've taken away from that. The whole incentives thing, I'm not thinking too much about it personally. I feel like that it was more so about Antonio getting into the game in that moment as opposed to them just saying, oh, we're not trying to pay this million dollars. Because if that's the case, why is Arians telling him to get onto the field? I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm going to defend AB a, in this scenario. Uh, there, I'm sure there's been a few past instances where you really can't defend Antonio, but in this specific one, I'm going to. I'll push back a little bit there because the Bucks needed Antonio Brown. They were losing basically the whole game. We'll get into Zach Wilson's performance a little bit later, but it's not like the Bucks were breezing through this game. This was a game they were coming from behind most of the time. So I definitely think they need him on the field. In the end, they ended up coming back and winning because they still have Tom Brady. They still have the better team when it comes down to it. But they definitely need Antonio Brown. It's hard for me. First of all, we don't have all the facts. It's just rumors and speculation we have out right now. But it is hard for me to believe Antonio Brown's side of things when we have years and years of antics, like you mentioned, and off-the-field issues. And on the other side, you have Bruce Arians, who's one of the most well-respected coaches in the league who's someone that, you know, players and Brady fight for and, you know, enjoy playing for in quarterbacks in the past too. So I hope that it's, that's actually the case where AB was actually just too hurt. I don't know why Bruce Arians would come out and, you know, demand him to come on the field. If he can't play, that doesn't seem like something any head coach would really do, or at least the training staff should come in and say, listen, he really can't play. It's interesting though, because the play right before he got off, he absolutely mixed up Bryce Hall. He had him looking silly out there and picked up a huge gain before coming off the field. He could have heard it on that play or potentially walking off, jogging off. Who really knows? Like you mentioned, AB is one of the best receivers to ever do it. When we originally got this topic, it's funny because it's Bucks release AB. And as Joel mentioned, they haven't released him yet. Now, I don't know if that's just. You know, the NFL way is the thing, the NFL way of doing things, how it comes to salary cap, how all that gets figured out. That might be it. Or Tom Brady might be saying, hey, Bruce, we don't have Godwin anymore. You know, we don't have Fournette's coming back, but he has a hammy injury. Uh, Ronald Jones just got banged up. We have all these injuries. I don't know if I want to rely on Tyler Johnson to be my wide receiver to come playoff time. I don't want to rely on Brashad Perryman. So Bruce Arians after the game said AB's cut. He's done. He's not on the Buccaneers. But it's been 72 hours now. He's still on the roster. So uh, one side of me says, I don't think Bruce Arians is going to go back on his word. If he says AB is not on this team, he's not on this team. But I mean, it's been three days now. You know, uh, a part of me is saying that Brady's been in his ear. We need AB. We want to go on a Super Bowl run. We need AB because he's arguably our best wide receiver. Mike Evans is the best over the top. But when it comes to reliability, AB has still one of the best route runners, has some of the best hands. He's still explosive. So... Locker room presence, maybe not the right guy, but if the Bucs want to make the Super Bowl run, they need, need A.B. to be on the field. This is just, this is one of the many reasons that, that I already have that is added on to why I think the Bucs are not repeating this year. All season long, 
I have been very hesitant to pick the Bucks in any capacity when it comes to the playoffs because I simply don't think it's this, it's their year. For one, they've had so many injuries. You mentioned Chris, God, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is hurt. Their secondary has been injured all year long. Their defensive front has been in, out, in and out of the lineup. Leonard Fournette is injured. Gio Bernard, who they got in the offseason, I thought that was a really great pickup. He's been hurt. And now this entire dilemma with A.B., before he came back, he was suspended for three games for having a fake COVID vaccination card, which is crazy in itself for having. Yeah, it's a federal crime, actually. Exactly. Like He was doing in something York, that yeah. is illegal. Like It is illegal. He comes back and, okay, the Bucks were wrong in the way they handled the A.B. situation, telling him to go in the game. If that's, in fact, true, that he was hurt, they handled it the wrong way. But Antonio Brown didn't have to make that big of a scene. He didn't have to do all of that. What he did, now, that was reckless. It's been with what Antonio Brown has been these past couple of years. It's been reckless, documenting his release from the Raiders and being ecstatic once he got released from the Steelers, interviewing with a reporter on ESPN, and they made a, a big scene about that. about that. He called out Big Ben. I mean, Antonio Brown has just had antic over antic happen, reckless behavior. And the other day, I saw a clip of him farting in somebody's face. I mean, that was look, me. Was crazy. I am I am somebody that laughs at uh, weird stuff. So, like for example, I laugh at YouTube videos of people getting chair chairs pulled from under them. Um, those type of videos really make me laugh. So, I won't lie. Antonio Brown farting in front of that doctor's face was hilarious to me. He did it twice. The first time he farted, it was like, like a little like, and the, the doctor didn't, it, 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 and it seemed like it bothered him. And AB was like, ah, oh, my bad. And then 30 seconds later, he farts again. It was, he let it rip that time. It was like, <laughs> and he was like, and AB was like, oh man, my bad. So that, just that, you know, Antonio Brown, I don't want to, speculate on the CTE stuff because I know whenever football players in general do things like this that's reckless the first thing people say is CTE CTE is hitting these guys quick I mean look let's be honest right here let's just have a moment of of, of genuine honesty CTE is a very serious thing and what it does to families the football players I mean it, it damages lives it damages damages the families of these guys lives of the, the it damages the lives of these guys families to joke around about CTE is not a cool thing so I'm not even going to go there but you do have to wonder with all the hits that Antonio has taken with his reckless behavior you do kind of have to speculate if maybe it is that but I think Antonio Brown has shown this reckless behavior throughout his career and this is just another instance of it, but this is why I don't think the Buccaneers are going back-to-back. I don't trust them come playoff time. Even if they do have Tom Brady, the Jets almost beat them, and the Jets outplayed them. It wasn't like the Jets got lucky. No, the Jets outplayed them with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore being out, Zach Wilson, a rookie. They outplayed the Bucs. They should have won the game, but Tom Brady, late-game heroics, you can't really do anything about it. I'm only going to give you a little, a little bit of pushback right now. Just with the fact that I remember very vividly the week after you took the Rams, you came onto the show 
And you said, man, one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made was picking the Rams. And you know who I'm going to go and I'm going to take? Go over liable. I'm going with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The only reason why I'm going to let you off the hook here is that they've had some injuries. And that's the only reason I can understand why you'd fade back and not think too highly of them. Regardless of that fact, they still have your boy, number 12, Tom Brady. They still showed, even though it was against the Jets, that when push comes to shove, that number 12 is still capable of getting them over that hump. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you off easy here. But that being said, I know you know that you picked the Buccaneers at least one point in this season. I probably did. Or I probably picked them over the Rams. I don't trust the Rams, and I still don't trust the Rams. That's a mistake, man. That's a mistake. You guys, it's so what do, you, mistake. do you guys think the the Pats or the, the Bucs are going to release AB? Or do you think he stays on the team? I think the the Bucks will eventually release AB, and if they don't release him, I would be shocked. I think that if they were going to release him, truthfully, why not release him that exact same day? It, I what's the logic behind saying you're going to release him, and now it's been four days removed from the incident, and now there's still no word of him being released from the team, especially after the embarrassment that he showed the Buccaneers as a whole. Personally, I mean, if you're not going to cut him, why why vocalize it as strongly as you did, and then on top of it, not not, not even decide to pursue it? I don't know. Josina Anderson tweeted that Antonio Brown, if he wants to, can have a job, and that's not an opinion. That's a fact. That's what she knows. So that's the Bucks are probably they probably know there are some teams out there that they might be facing in the playoffs that they could potentially face that want Antonio Brown. And if they release him, they don't want him to go to one of these teams that's potentially a threat. No yeah, doubt. That's because no, no. I saw a couple of teams where the Packers and Rams that potentially if AB did get released, those were teams that'd be interested in him. That's a hard personality to bring in week 18 or first round of playoffs. This is the most important time of the season. You're bringing in a guy with a ton of baggage to the offense and just the wide receiver room in general. That's a lot to overcome. So while AB is definitely talented, I think you look at the Packers and the Rams, they've had all the success this season. The Rams, in, in their case, with major injuries to their wide receivers already, they kind of replaced that some with Odell. Van Jefferson has stepped up. I don't know if they're going to go out of limb like that, but Josina's really plugged in, so maybe it happens. I'd be, I would be surprised, though. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. An interesting fact, when Antonio Brown got traded from the Steelers to the Raiders, do you know what they got back in return? A third? A third and a fifth. Yeah. When Antonio the, the Steelers traded Antonio Brown after that entire fiasco, when they traded Antonio Brown to the Raiders, they got a third round and a fifth round pick back. That third round pick in 2019 was Deontay Johnson. Great trade. That is lit. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's pretty it's a great cool. trade. So they, they traded Antonio Brown, a great receiver, and got Deontay, who's a great receiver now. Is there a better organization at drafting the wide receiver position than the Pittsburgh Steelers? I probably I, I just the Vikings. Re- All right, I'll na- I'll name a few. Just going back in time a little. The bit. Bengals right, so are great. Okay, hear me out. You have Steelers Brown, track records different. You have yes, Juju. Go. You have Deontay Johnson. Now going back further than that, you have Mike Wallace. You have Emmanuel Sanders. You have Heinz Ward. At least over these last couple of years, Steelers have been perfect, or at least being able to develop the wide receiver position. The Steelers got it for me. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the Steelers are probably the at the top of organizations that know how to draft the receiver position. But the Vikings, 
Randy Moss, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Sidney Rice, who had a couple good seasons. I'm trying. Percy, Percy Harvin. Harvin was very good. They did Is miss on drafted by them. Yeah, he was. He was undrafted, Dillon, right? I believe, but he was signed okay. uh, as undrafted yeah, free agent. Um, who else? I mean, who else did they? Oh, they missed on Cordero Patterson. They missed on Laquan Treadwell. So they've had their That's misses. They've had yeah. their misses for sure. And the so Bengals, named- Chad Ochocinco, TJ Hushpanzada. They, they, T. Higgins, they, Jamar they, now. T. Higgins, Jamar, AJ Green. AJ Green. Yeah, they, they've mm-hmm. had a great track record drafting receivers. Didn't even name Mapletron. Shout out to Mapletron. Chase Claypool, He's nice. Yeah. He's nice. Who's He's Mapletron? Nice. Claypool. Claypool. He's Claypool. I mentioned him. Uh, facts, but I didn't mention him when I was uh, listing my guys. Yeah, so Mapletron. That's his nickname? Yeah. Such a I weird like nickname. It. It's, it's stupid. It's definitely stupid, but I definitely like it. So in that Bucks game, Zach Wilson had a, a, a big-time day, in my opinion. And listen, I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap here because throughout this season— I've been telling you guys every single week, whenever Zach would have a bad week, I say relax. It's not a big deal. Zach is going to be that guy. Before we ever record shows, I tell you how much of a Zach guy I am. And I, I'll take the hate. You know, last week I made some takes uh, on the football episode. I, we posted them on TikTok. And everybody's trying to discredit what I'm saying because I'm wearing a Zach Wilson jersey. Little do they know he's going to be a top five quarterback in like a couple of years. So, Joel, I want to, I want to, I want to get your opinion on this because I know you've been up and down on Wilson, and just as of recently, you're 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 really starting to turn your tide on how you feel about him. So, yep. I want to get your opinion on how that roller coaster ride has been because me, I've been I've been going up this entire time i know so i want to know yeah, where you're been, at you've been very consistent on zach i have been up and down now before the season started i think I even tweeted out the jets this season what i wanted for them was how miami looked two years ago and brian flores first year to start off the year they were terrible and now that, that was the tank for two a year they started off i don't know oh oh and eight oh and nine whatever they were as the season progressed they got more competitive they started racking up wins that's the formula I wanted this season for the Jets, and that's what they're doing now. They started off, you've mentioned it in the past, the beginning schedule was really tough with Patriots, the, um, the Panthers, the Broncos, really tough defenses. And it's hard for a rookie quarterback in general to play, you know, making your first starts, especially with, you know, I would say average weapons, a rookie head, uh, rookie head coach, rookie play caller. So Zach had a lot to overcome, plus playing tough defenses wasn't, wasn't great. But as the season has progressed, the Jets and Zach Wilson as a whole, they've improved. That's what I wanted to see. I don't really care about the wins and losses yet. Would that win have been amazing against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? Absolutely. But in my opinion, this was probably Zach's best game, if not top two up there with Tennessee. And what impressed me most, I made it TikTok about it. If you want to follow me on TikTok, at Joel Dells, I'm starting to do some film breakdowns on these quarterbacks. What impressed me the most in this, in this game against the Bucs was the way Zach was just progressing through his minor reads, his cadences, his rhythm, small things that are going to make quarterbacks go from being good to being elite. Tom Brady has made a killing just taking underneath routes, being the smartest person at the line of scrimmage. I know the big plays are going to come with Zach. We've seen that already. What I want to see now is, is he developing mentally as a quarterback because he has the physical tools. But now that I see him developing mentally, First play of the game, he went up, hard count, got the off, got the defensive lineman to jump off sides. That's a free five yards. 
He still made a play happen, and they gained nine on the play. But just doing that, that's something that we didn't see at all from Zach Wilson earlier in the year. I don't remember Darnold doing that once. I don't know if that's a matter of, you know, offensive scheme and LaFleur and, and Sal just saying, hey, like, try this out, see if we get them to jump. Or if that's just Wilson, you're saying, like, let me give this a try. Well, so, like, like I mentioned, the big throws are going to come. But there was a few things that, that really stood out to me. Like I mentioned, that first play of the game hit Mike Carter for eight yards after having the defensive lineman jump off sides. Later in the first quarter, Zach took a seven-step drop. That tells me they're looking for the big shot. It was second and 10. He looked back. He, was, he had some time in the pocket. Nothing was there. Mike Carter wide open over the middle of the field. It goes from second and 11 to third and two. Earlier in the season, Zach is probably forcing a throw downfield. Now it's third and 11. You have a Buccaneers defense who's going to send pressure. You're probably punting there. Instead, they get third and two. They end up getting the first down. And he was just doing this all game. Not to mention, he's doing this without his wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Mike Carter gets hurt. Tevin Coleman is already out. So we're on running back three. We have some guy named Walter out there who's a practice squad guy a month ago. We're missing both of our starting tight ends. We're, most, we're missing Mekhi Becton, his, the franchise left tackle who hasn't played a snap since week two. And this was against Tom Brady and the Super Bowl defending champs. So this season for me, the Jets are going to have a top five pick. We're going to end up having four. I, I don't think we beat Buffalo next week. Four wins. We double the win total from, from last year. This is a successful season for the Jets. The offense has progressed. This is our best offensive season since 2015 with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall. It's not a lot to write home about because we had Darnold and a bunch of nobodies for a long time. But this is a successful season for the Jets and Zach Wilson. I love the soliloquy you gave there about the Jets. But how do you feel about Zach? Where are you with Zach? Are you bought in? He's our our guy. Yeah, he's our guy. Okay, He has to be. Like I said, the big plays are not something I'm worried about. That's something that's going to happen. I care about the little things. Can he make a second 11 turn into a third and two and keep drives alive? Because I've seen time and time again, this season too, earlier in the year, when we're going to get into those long downs and distances, regardless of the quarterback, it's going to be hard to pick up third and tens, third and twelves, especially with backup offensive linemen and backup wide receivers and a rookie head coach, rookie play caller. So the fact that Zach is progressing this well mentally, his rhythm, his cadence, these small things that, if you're not a big football fan, you probably don't think much about a nine yard play on second and 11. You're not thinking much about. But when you're really dissecting and seeing how a player can develop, the fact that Zach is finally doing this, nonetheless, against top competition, went toe to toe with Brady, just end of the game didn't work out. It's huge progress from Zach. And he's really played well since he's come back from injury. Are you making that face, Drew? Toe to toe with Brady is crazy. It's crazy. Listen, he had a great game. He had a great game. No doubt. We said we were going to grade him. I gave Zach Wilson an A. I felt like when I was watching the highlights back in that first quarter, everything seemed like a completion to me. He was hidden. He was like Joel, like Joel said perfectly. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to do too much. He was taking what the defense was giving him. And that's what I wanted to see. We've seen it. Joel, you said it absolutely perfect. As the season has gone on, we've seen Zach Wilson just start to make the smart play, not try to play hero ball. And that's what even even you, Joel, to a degree, we've been very critical of Zach Wilson on that, where he does not need to do too much. Mike White came in. Mike, yeah, Mike White came in and we saw him basically take that approach, not try to do too much, take the underneath throws where he wasn't completing passes longer than nine yards. And he ended up with over 400 yards on the game. He, Zach probably took from that that he does not need to be Superman every single week to win a game. So now we're starting to see Zach Wilson play a little bit more smarter. We know that he has pocket presence. 
excuse me, we know that he has pocket presence. We know that he's very poised in the pocket. We know that he has a special arm. He has all the intangibles to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I do firmly believe that. It's just a matter of not trying to do too much. And this game was a perfect example of that. He's been playing like that over these last couple of weeks, not turning the ball over. I believe in this game, he didn't he didn't turn the ball over once, not even fumble the football. Zach Wilson has been extremely, extremely, I, I don't want to say great, because for, for a rookie, he's looked pretty great. Over these last few weeks, he has looked pretty great. But you take the whole grand scheme of things, he's been very solid. But this was a great game for Zach Wilson. You'd love to see him just taking what the defense is giving him. Unfortunately, didn't come away with the win, but you're going against the GOAT and Tom Brady, who when push comes to shove, you take number 12 over any other quarterback outside of maybe my guy 18. Uh, But truthfully, he played a great game, and I really can't criticize him too much. You said a lot there, Drew. And to talk about Zach Wilson, when it comes to the Jets, I'm cautiously optimistic. Because not too long ago, in tw- I love that word. not too long ago in 2018, Sam Darnold had a great second half to the year. Finished the second half really strong. And if you look at Jets Twitter, he was a second coming of Aaron Rodgers. The way he finished off the second half of the year, the very next year, Sam gets mono in 2019. But in the second half of the season, he plays really well, and it it, it gave all of us Jets fans hope that. He was going to be the guy. With Zach Wilson, he's doing the exact same thing. But this time, it's a little bit different. He's doing it in a different way. And I've come to find out that the role I'm going to play in Jets Twitter and in NFL Twitter and in the NFL and the Jets fans landscape is I'm going to be the Jehovah Witness to to Zach Wilson. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to transform. I'm going to transform every non-believer of Zach Wilson to believers of Zach Wilson. And you look at his numbers for the year, eight touchdowns to 11 picks. Oh, it, it, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Well, in the last six games, he has eight touchdowns to two interceptions. And he has four rushing touchdowns on the season. So he has 12 total touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Zach Wilson only has two interceptions in his last 182 pass attempts. That's the fourth lowest interception rate since week 12 behind Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, then it's Zach Wilson. He's the first Jets rookie to go four straight games without throwing an interception. And I know that's not great company because the Jets never had a franchise quarterback, but this is what it feels like. And there was a point in the season where Zach Wilson was second in interceptions. He's now 17th. He's completely turned around his season, and it's not because the schedule he's been given has been weaker. No, these teams that he's been facing, the Buccaneers, Jaguars, we know they're slouches, but the Dolphins, the Saints, the Eagles, these are playoff teams. Outside of the Jaguars and the Dolphins, the Saints could very very well make the playoffs. The Eagles already clinched the spot. The Buccaneers are going to make it. This is good competition, and they have good defenses. And Zach has faced the toughest schedule of pass defenses of any quarterback in the NFL. Second is Justin Herbert. But then it's Zach Wilson. 
He's faced very tough pass defenses, and he's been spectacular. I think Zach is the guy. I'm cautiously optimistic about anything Jets, even Knicks-related. But this is this feeling that Jets fans are feeling right now. It's weird. The reason why it's weird is because this is the first time we feel like we have a franchise quarterback. And Zach is doing this without Corey Davis, without Elijah Moore, without Makai Becton. Connor McGovern, our starting center, was out. I mean, his best receiver has been Braxton Berrios, and granted, he's been balling, but it's Braxton Berrios. Let's just be honest here. And Zach is still doing this. Easy. You're gonna crit- you're saying it's Braxton Berrios now, but next season when Braxton Berrios actually has plays that are drawn up for him because he clearly has that type of ability to do so, where he's the first player in Jets franchise history to have a rushing and a receiving touchdown in the same game. You can't just gloss over something like that. You I need can. a gadget guy, especially in that system where you guys have nothing. I get it, but it's, come on, it's Braxton Berrios. That's our best receiver just, right now. But people said the same thing about Julian Edelman, and I'm not going to be sleep to that. Truth I think Elijah Moore is going to take over that role, and he's going to excel in it. I like that. Fair enough. He, I do believe that's that's that Elijah Moore can be drafted. the guy. So, if, uh, Drew, yeah. if it's up to you, we're going into next season with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Braxton Berrios. I'm not in love with that. <laughs> so who's the odd man out if we get a receiver? You paid Corey Davis. You have to pay him. Yeah. I mean, Corey Davis Elijah is better Elijah than Braxton regardless. It's unfortunate, yeah. but I'll be honest. You, This has been the most exciting outside of obviously Elijah Moore in the beginning of the season or towards the middle of the season, excuse me, that you that the Jets have been excited for a wide receiver. Braxton Berrios over these last three weeks has been your most exciting player, of course, outside of Zach Wilson. I agree. But back to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson makes four to five wow throws every single game versus the Buccaneers. That throw to Braxton Berrios, that was a wow throw. Those throws versus Tennessee, those were wow throws. Even in the game versus the Patriots where he threw four interceptions, he made a wow throw on the sideline as well. And talking about when we talk about running just a wow play versus the Jaguars, 52-yard run, I mean, what other quarterback this season has made that great of a run? I can't really name one off the top of my head outside of maybe Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts. Like, Zach Wilson, people, he, he's he's athletic. People think he's not as athletic as he is, but give him his credit. You know, before the draft, I said he's sneaky athletic, and people thought that was just me, you know, trying to hype him up. But just, no, like, he can really run, and his escapability outside of the pocket is really good. I agree with that wholeheartedly. The only run that I'm thinking of off the top of my head would be that Jalen Hurts touchdown against the Saints yeah. when he absolutely destroyed the defender's ankles and took it to the crib. That's the only one that I can And even think so, of that was like 20 yards. Like, that was a disgusting move, and that was, it was like 20 yards. Zach's was different. Yeah. Zach the, the made one thing two I guys miss. Say, he did. He did on the sideline. The one thing I would say, we brought up Darn a little bit before. <clears throat> Darnold's situation was a little bit different because those last couple of years, while he did play well after Mono and his rookie year, he was still turning the ball over. In Zach Wilson's case, he's playing better. He's also not turned the ball over. You know, a lot, even if you look at the interception leaders this year, it's some of the best quarterbacks in the league with like Justin Herbert and, and Carr and, you know, a few of these guys who we really think of some of the elite quarterbacks. So I'm, I feel like I'm kind of, um, maybe souring a bit. Like I want you to take chances as a quarterback. That's kind of one issue we have with Tua a lot where 
He doesn't take as many chances. Sure, he doesn't have as many turnovers. But if Herbert's going to lead the league in interceptions and still play like this, I would rather you take those shots and every once in a while it'd be an interception because if you throw a 50-yard interception, that's a punt. So I'm not overly worried, but it is good to see because Zach Wilson, it wasn't a 50-yard throws he was throwing interceptions on. He had a few really bad games, really bad throws. And shout out to Joe Douglas, man. That's been my guy ever since we hired him. This is the draft that could turn the franchise around. Michael Carter being one of the biggest steals in the draft. He's up there with Nick Chubb and Javante Williams in terms of missed tackles forced per rush. Elijah Moore has looked really good. AVT is coming off probably his best game of the season with a uh, 90 graded PFF rate. So shout out to Joe Douglas, man. This could be what turns this whole Jets franchise around. So moving on to the next topic, the Cincinnati Bengals clinched the AFC North for the first time since 2015. And what do you think has been the reason behind their magical season? Nobody expected them to be this good. Everybody was expecting three to five wins. They shocked everybody. So what do you think it's been? I'm going to credit mostly their offense. You look at it, Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks this season. By far, you look at the numbers. He's tied for six in touchdowns with 34. He is among the league leaders in interceptions, has 14, but you'll live with this stone for over 4,600 yards. Then you look at the number one, the first round, number five pick overall, Jamar Chase. He has had an all-world type season. Forget about being a rookie. He's had one of the best seasons, period. He has over 1,400 yards, has 13 touchdowns, actually just broke Justin Jefferson's rookie record for receiving yards in 16 games, so there's no asterisk. Shout out to Jamar Chase for accomplishing that feat. He's been spectacular. And touchdowns, he's number two right now in the league. So you have to look at these two guys and just say, these two guys have completely changed around the, the aura, the energy that the Bengals are currently looking at in, in the grand scheme of things. They're probably looking at every team right now in the AFC and thinking, you know what? We can compete with anyone. We just took out the top dog in the, in the Kansas City Chiefs. Who, who, who are we supposed to be afraid of right now? Because they put up over 30 points, but so did we. We have the offense that actually could stack up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm sure that there's no team right now in the AFC that feels that way. Maybe the Bills feel that way personally, but in terms of offense, the Bengals have everything you could want. You have Joe Mixon running back, one of the best running backs in the league. You have arguably the Bengals who probably have arguably, like I was saying, the best receiving core in the league. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, his boy, Auden Tate. So there's definitely guys on this roster that can make plays special. Forget about just Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon, again, one of the best running backs in this league. T. Higgins, one of the more exciting over-the-top wide receivers in this league, has missed two games over 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. T. Higgins is another special character where he came back from the injury and Jamar Chase was kind of slumping. And you still have some people say that T. Higgins potentially could have been the best receiver on this team. But if anyone knows anything – They were doubling Jamar Chase, which allowed T. Higgins to get some separation. And T. Higgins one-on-one on on an island is never a good idea. Just ask the Ravens. So I'm going to credit mostly Joe Burrow and the offense. But you look at what Joe Burrow has done. He's been spectacular. And I will give him a bunch of credit for that. Yeah, I don't think this is rocket science. Get your franchise quarterback. (laughs) Get your franchise quarterback. Get an offensive-minded head coach. Get him some weapons. You know, I was, I'll be honest, I was kind of Team Sewell in terms of who I wanted the Bengals to draft. I thought the offensive line was putrid. I thought get protection for Joe Burrow. You already have Higgins and Tyler Boyd, draft receiver in the second round. But Jamar Chase has taken this offense to a whole nother level. I think this draft pick is going to 
kind of change how GMs and NFL teams in general are going to look at where they should be drafting receivers, how many receivers they should draft per year, because it looks like you can never have enough. I tweeted out a few days ago. I think the Jets have to use one of their first round picks on a receiver, possibly go defensive, uh, defensive player with the first pick or maybe an offensive lineman. But in terms of the Bengals, it's been Joe Burrow, man. He's drew let off some of the stats. He's also number one in completion percentage, number two in quarterback rating. And while he is up there in terms of interceptions, he only has 15 turnover worthy plays on the year, which is 22nd among starting quarterbacks. So some of it has just been unlucky. You know, the one that comes to mind, Jamar Chase dropping a would have been walking touchdown probably with his speed sure. and just it got dropped, you know, and the defender intercepted it. So although he's up there in interceptions, a lot of it hasn't been his fault. Um, I think he's a potential MVP candidate the way he's played these last two games. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to have 450 plus yards or 400 plus yards and four touchdowns in back-to-back games. I mean, you think about some of the quarterbacks like Brady, Rogers, Payne, all these guys have never done that. This offense has been taken to just a whole nother level. The ability to have just two weapons on the outside that you can't double both of them. And one of them is going to be one-on-one coverage. We saw T Higgins go for, you know, over 150 yards against the Ravens. And then we see uh, Jamar Chase the next week go for 260 and three touchdowns against what's been a really good defense in the, you know, the AFC defending AFC champions, Kansas city chiefs who back-to-back Super Bowls. These are the guys you want to stack up against. And the Bengals have, you know, they played really well. I will say, I don't know if I trust them to make a deep playoff run. I said it on last week's show. I still think they're a year away. They got a little bit lucky. I mean, they ran 10 plays on Kansas City's two-yard line. That's true. I don't think that's going to happen again. And if you give Mahomes a minute with a couple timeouts, he's going to go down the field and probably score. So they did get a little lucky, but nothing, anything away. The fact that you could beat the Chiefs, there's not many teams in the league that could say they've been the Chiefs over the last three years. Their defense has also been a little bit pretty average to below average. But they did hold the held, they did hold the Chiefs only three points in the second half after giving up 28 in the first half. So the fact they're able to go in the locker room at halftime, make their adjustments, um, you know, really says a lot about the coaching staff and just the defensive players' mindset. So I think the Bengals are still a year away from really being Super Bowl contenders. But the fact that you're already able to beat the Chiefs and Joe Burrow is an MVP candidate in year two coming off for torn ACL. If you're a Bengals fan, you should be thrilled. When talking about the Bengals, you have to look at how great their offense has been this entire time, this entire season. The weapons they have on offense is insane. And to talk about Kansas City, for one, Drew, I'm glad that you mentioned Alden Tate because he's somebody that's getting forgotten about in the midst of T. Higgins and Ozama and Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon yeah, and, and Tyler Boyd. But Alden Tate deserves some credit, man, because he's the one in there in practice He's pushing these guys to be better because Tyler Boyd and Higgins and Chase are looking at Arden Tate like, if I don't do my job, this guy can step right in and do it. You know, so I'm glad you mentioned Arden Tate there. You know, I really appreciate that, Drew. He deserves some credit. I think the best thing about the Bengals win over the Chiefs this past Sunday was that they held them to three points in the second half. You talk about the Chiefs having, uh, uh, the Bengals having 10 plays and the Chiefs would have scored with a minute left. I mean, the Bengals held them to three points in the entire second half. The the Chiefs scored 28. It looked like it was going to be an offensive game. They were going to score like 40 plus points, but the Bengals defense really stepped up and they got some guys under the radar guys that they aren't household name like Awuzie and Eli Apple, but they make big time plays when the moment calls for it. 
But the reason behind the Bengals' spectacular season has been none other than Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. The duo that won LSU a national championship has also brought the Bengals their first AFC North Division title since 2015. Look at Joe Burrow. This guy deserves the ultimate credit. I said it on Twitter. He's better than Dak Prescott. He's better than Lamar Jackson. He's better than Russell Wilson right now. Joe Burrow is a top eight quarterback in the NFL, and everybody's going to say, oh, recency bias, this and that. Well, okay. The NFL is a year-to-year thing. What have you done for me lately? Joe Burrow took a 4-11-1 team to 10-6 after reconstructing his knee, coming back from injury earlier than expected, playing week one. He didn't get injured in week one last year. He got injured halfway through the year, and he came back ready to go this season. He's thrown for 4,611 yards, 34 touchdowns to 14 picks. He holds the record now for the most yards and touchdowns in a single season by a Bengals quarterback. And he has a higher completion percentage and passer rating than all of those guys. Ken Ken Anderson, Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton, who gets made fun of for being this mid-tier quarterback, but had multiple Pro Bowl seasons when he was with Cincinnati. Joe Burrow is legit. Then we go on to Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase this season has been otherworldly. I wanted them to draft Jamar Chase. I was very high on Jamar Chase. He was my guy. 266 yards against the Chiefs on Sunday. Three touchdowns. And Joe Burrow isn't the only one breaking records. Jamar Chase has the most receiving yards by a rookie receiver in NFL history, breaking the record that Justin Jefferson set last year. And he's 12 yards away from breaking Chad Ochocinco's record of the most receiving yards in a single season by a Bengals receiver in franchise history. And Chase is also second in touchdowns all time in Bengals history. So, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase both came into Cincinnati and broke records together. The first season together, they broke records. And this offense is only going to get better. This team is only going to get better. This is only the beginning for the Cincinnati Bengals. Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins are all young. Joe Burrow, it's only a second season. Joe Mixon is still young. And the Bengals have glaring holes on the roster. They still have to get a better offensive line, a better secondary, better linebackers. Their pass rush and their defensive front is good. But there's still there's still massive holes on their roster. And the fact that they have been this dominant has been a surprise to everybody. Nobody saw this coming. And the sky is truly, truly the limit for this team. And I think Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are going to be the catalyst for why the Bengals win a Super Bowl in the near future. I think that's in their future. How soon do you so what do you guys I was just gonna ask, what's the ceiling for them this season? Because I still think they're a year away from being legit Super Bowl contenders. But I mean they just beat the Chiefs and I look at the rest of this AFC is they could beat anybody any given week. So what do you guys think is is their upside this year? Can they make a Super Bowl run? They can make it this year. I think they can. I think they can too. I mean, you have the offense clearly. The defense probably needs a little bit of work, in my opinion. That being said, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. The AFC right now is wide open. People are probably looking at the Chiefs and thinking that that's the team to be right now, but Bengals have been playing really good football. 
We're going to talk about them later, but the Titans are getting healthy at the perfect time, and they've been able to stay afloat and surprisingly be the number one seed in the AFC right now. So um, you're looking at the Bills who have been playing very good football of late. The AFC is wide open, so anything's possible. Bengals definitely could do it. Joe Burrow this season, comeback player of the year. Jamar Chase, offensive rookie of the year. Zach Taylor, he's not going to be coach of the year, but he definitely deserves some recognition for what he's done in Cincinnati. Their offense is extremely young. Right now, the Bengals currently have the 27th ranked pass defense and one of the worst ranked offensive lines. Imagine if this team was a little bit more balanced. We'd be talking about them the same way we talk about Kansas City with all the weapons they have. The Bengals, like you mentioned, they're probably like a year or two away from being a complete team. But even as constructed now, they can beat any single team on any single given week. And the fact that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are breaking these records, I mean, this is something that we are never going to see again. At least, I I don't know, or if we do see it, it's going to be in a long time from now. What they have done, what what Joe Burrow has done in his second year, what Jamar Chase is doing in his rookie year. This is something that is not going to happen for a long time, and it may never happen again. It's going to happen when the Jets very, draft Traylon Burks. I feel like it's it on it, man. Very fortunate of the Bengals to be put in that position where they could get the two LSU boys. You had Joe Burrow obviously go first overall that year prior, two years prior. Then you had Jamar Chase at five. At five excuse me. People were questioning whether they should go O line, given the fact that not only was their O line bad last year, but their O-line is still bad this season. But they go and decide to take Jamar Chase almost to a degree, start the trend of keeping that connection together. We saw it a little bit with Tua and Waddle, and they had they definitely had a connection too, but definitely not on par with what Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow have done this season. So it's it's definitely one of those duos where you look at and think these two could go down as some of the best quarterback wide receiver duos, especially for what they're doing so young in their career. It's definitely going to be exciting to see what they do. But in terms of the grand scheme of things, I just can't confidently say they're, they're just they're going to the Super Bowl, truthfully. I feel like it's too soon, given the fact that their defense is so spotty in, in terms of pass defense. And their offensive line, they're – There aren't teams right now that I look at in the AFC that their pass defense, or excuse me, their their pass rush defense is so great that I think the Bengals will struggle to pass the ball. I think that offensively, they can score on any defense. It does not matter. The Chiefs have been playing great football defensively over these last couple weeks. Basically, I wouldn't say the entire season because they they struggled uh, early on. But from week five on, the Chiefs defense has been spectacular, and they made them look like chumps this past Sunday. So offensively, I don't think will be their, their issue. I think defensively is where I see them coming to a halt. The Bengals have not won a playoff game in the last 31 years. That's the last time they won. Is that the longest uh, wind drought in NFL history? 31 years. They haven't won a playoff game. Yep. 31 years. Was that Boomer Esiason or am I thinking of something? It might've been Boomer Esiason. And I forgot about him. Joe Burrow. In his second season, has already broken all the records that Ken Anderson set. Boomer Esiason, Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton. Joe Burrow is on a historic pace. And this is the last point I want to get into. Joe Burrow and Mac Jones are prime examples of why we shouldn't overvalue physical traits. 
Yes, they matter. But I would much rather like a quarterback who reads defenses at an elite level, who moves maneuvers in the pocket at an elite level, whose mechanics are fundamentally sound. And this is more so towards Mac Jones because Joe Burrow was the first overall pick. Mac Jones got overlooked because of those things. He was the fifth quarterback taken in this past draft, even though he's been the best so far. And yes, he's been in the best situation. But I feel like if Mac Jones was with the Jets or with the Jaguars or with the Niners or with the Bears, he, he would be having a better season than all these quarterbacks regardless. If he was with the Jets, we saw Mike White have a career game with the Jets. We saw Joe Flacco versus the Dolphins have a great game. I think Mac Jones would have been able to run the offense better than Zach Wilson has been able to so far. But I do think the upside with Zach is higher. But Mac Jones, if he was in Jacksonville, he would be playing better than Trevor Lawrence is playing right now. There's no doubt in my mind. That's tough for me because, Joel, you could share it because off the top of my head, I'm struggling to remember the stats specifically. But there has been no quarterback to start their career to have a defense let up less than seven points more times early on in their career than Mac Jones has had. I know he what you guys been, are talking about. You know what I'm talking about? I know the, what you're talking I about. Sent, but, I but sent both the, you guys the same but, TikTok. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the end of the day, this is what I'm going to say to that. But at the end of the day, Mac Jones has to move the ball on offense. And when they cut Cam Newton. Does he? Does he really? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Mac Jones. I mean, against the Bills, they scored 14 points. He threw the ball three times, and he came away with that, that game with the W. The That's reason, though. The reason, the reason why the reason why the Patriots cut Cam Newton was because they saw Mac Jones, and they saw a guy who can run the offense better. And to this point, they have been proven right. He's going to make the playoffs in his rookie season. Last season, they didn't make the playoffs. Mac Jones, that was a difference maker. And I'm not sure what Mac Jones is going to be. Nobody knows what he's going to be. But there are are rare instances where you get the combination of physical talent plus all the other intangibles that make a great quarterback. And that's when you get Mahomes, Rodgers, Herbert, etc. But there are guys who don't have the most talent, like Tom Brady, that are able to succeed because... They read defenses at such a high level. Dak Prescott, I wouldn't say he's the most talented guy or even Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins, but they're top 15 quarterbacks because they play the game fundamentally sound. Mechanically, they're good. They're able to read defenses. And that's why I think guys like Joe Burrow and Mac Jones got overlooked. And in hindsight, it should have never happened. We don't know what Trey Lance is going to be, and we'll talk about him later on in the show. But if I was the Niners, I've been very vocal in the, during the draft process, and even now that if I was the Niners, I would have taken Mac Jones at three. But does this surprise any of us? We knew coming out Mac Jones was the most pro-ready quarterback. He went to the best system. This doesn't surprise me, Mac's playing I, well. I, I think, you know, maybe you are not surprised by it. And I don't know what you thought about Mac Jones before the draft. But before the draft, I know for a fact on Twitter, the dialogue was that Mac Jones wasn't going to be good. It's because people saw that picture of him after the natty with the cigar in his mouth, shirt off. He didn't look athletic. People automatically <laughs> judged him based off that. <laughs> Truthfully, that's really what it was, regardless of what he showed you on the field where he shattered how, however many records at Alabama, however, how, regardless well of how great he played. Uh, with Devonta Smith, regardless of how dominant they looked in the championship game, none of that mattered based off the fact that he did not pass the eye test. So yeah, and a lot where- of it was because 
they had Devontae Smith, they had Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris. He had a plethora of first round picks on his team, plus the best head coach college football has probably ever seen. Right. So people took You're away right. from it. Mac Jones is playing great. I don't think he has as high as the ceiling as these other quarterbacks, but I mean, he's going to be a top 15 quarterback without a doubt. Everybody thought Mac Jones was going to be like AJ McCarron. That's foul. That's AJ McCarron's crazy. He never put up the numbers like yeah. that, that Mac Jones did. And he did. No, he I know, but I, I, backup, barely. I know for a fact that the arm talent that Mac did. I know for yeah, a no. fact, the dialogue around Mac was that he wasn't going to be very good. I knew for a fact that was a dialogue around him and, you know, kudos to him. He got drafted into the best situation. But, I mean, I even tweeted this at the time. If the Jets drafted Mac Jones at two, I wouldn't be mad. I, I tweeted that. You just limit your upside there. You just limit your upside there. You do, but I'm, I am think Mac Jones, like, bro, we saw Mike White, Josh Johnson, Joe Flacco run this offense. Mac yeah. Jones, he would have been able to run this offense at an effective level. Yeah, 100%. There's no doubt. And we would have had a lot of success. We might have not had the upside in maybe five years down the line. We're like, oh, look what Lance or Fields or Wilson or Lawrence are. But as of right now, Mac Jones definitely has that crown to himself. Right now, we have a guest on the podcast. His name is Joe, which is short for Joseph. And on Twitter, your name used to be Dwayne Haskins fan account. Oh, is it it still that? Is it still that? Y'all got the wrong Joe. Um, <laughs> no, it is a uh, big Ben stand account. My guy, number seven goat. Okay. So before we st- before we had you on, Joe was telling me a little bit about your history and your feelings toward big towards big Ben. I am not an hist- a historian on you because drew and Joel, they have been friends with you for the longest. So Joel, Tell the audience a little bit about Joe and how he feels about Big Ben and how he currently feels about him now. Sure. So, listen, Big Ben, first of all, had a great career, Hall of Famer first ballot. These last few years, no doubt he struggled, and Joe has not been shy to talk about how he wants to move on. He thought Dwayne Haskins could possibly be the future of the Steelers. And then the second that comes out, we knew Big Ben was probably going to retire, but the second it comes out that this is going to be Ben's last game at Heinz Field, Joe does complete 180. All of a sudden, he has been Big Ben's number one fan since the day he was born. Listen, that's your guy. He's your franchise quarterback. I get it. But it does crack me up a little bit how you went from Dwayne Haskins is the future and how much you've been wanting all these other quarterbacks these last few years to Big Ben's been the best thing the Steelers have ever gotten in, in their franchise's history. So let me just start off quickly by saying the shift happened about two weeks ago to when you, when I really started to like think of big Ben in a different light. So obviously, yes, big Ben has only been a shadow of himself since probably I would say about halfway through last season, you really just, you really started to see the wear and tear of all the injuries and he's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. And last year is when we really started to see the physical decline in his performances. Um, I have wanted a successor for for Big Ben coming into the season. This year, I was all in on a successor coming in. Um, But once this year, the Steelers' playoff hopes really started to tank and really started to show no real significance behind. The team is not ready to win a championship. Coming into the season, I thought that if Big Ben played at a high performance and sans any injuries or COVID, the Steelers would be able to make a really good run. 
We have a very good defense, very good defensive line, and a great back end in the secondary in Minka Fitzpatrick. But the thing is, it started to show early. Big Ben couldn't really push the ball downfield. You thought with a whole offseason he'd be able to do that, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. A new offensive coordinator comes in, and the chemistry really isn't there, and it hasn't clicked. So once we really didn't have much of a shot to win that championship, that's when I really started to shift towards just my appreciation for everything Big Ben has done. Because right now, the season doesn't mean much in terms of winning a championship. And it's all about Big Ben now. Um, Everything he's done in the past 18 years for this franchise is monumental and nothing short of first ballot Hall of Fame. Um, And I think my stance publicly on it really changed from, you know, hammering down on we need a successor, we need to try out Dwayne Haskins to really just soaking in the moment and just looking, taking it for what it is. Um, And that's where I'm at now. So if you're listening, if you're listening right now, we have Joe on the show because this is a tribute to Ben Roethlisberger, who played his last game at Heinz Field potentially. And you were at that game. And you had some pretty great seats. I saw your Instagram story. Those seats, I'd have to know how much they cost. So I want to thank my fellow fantasy league mates, Joel and Drew. Um, Joel especially because I beat him in the in the semifinals. Um, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Did you want me- to show, bro? Okay, all right, relax, relax. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I took second in the fantasy championship, which paid out about 500 I paid about 430 for those tickets. Um as soon as Big Ben made the official announcement on, I believe it was Friday on New Year's Eve, um, I didn't think twice. I bought the tickets immediately. Um, and I would I do it again? I would do it 10 times out of 10, maybe even 11 out of 10. It was a great experience. How was the moment yeah. like just when they were interviewing him and him going around and lapping around the field and just shaking everybody's hand? How was that moment like for you? So... I described it to Drew and Joel as one of the most emotionally saturating games um, of my life that I've been a part of and anything that I've ever witnessed. Um, For the city of Pittsburgh, this was the Derek Jeter walk-off single. Um, That's exactly what it was. Um, Seeing Big Ben after he went out, you know, and the game was over, he took his last kneel down. He comes back to the bench and he puts up, you know, the, the hand signal and the crowd went crazy. There was no, it was unreal. You couldn't breathe. People were screaming so loud. And then he begins to do his lap. He gives everybody the high fives down the sideline. And then he starts to walk back to the bench. And now from my seats, I was sitting behind Steelers bench. So I'm, I'm watching him come back towards us. And then I saw him turn around and sit down on the bench. And I'm looking at the back of his Jersey with his name, you know, And up on the Megatron, you see the camera shot of just him sitting down, hands in his uh, head in his hands. And that was the collective moment. So you went from the crowd being at like 100 to just that that heaviness in the air. And and everybody started to feel it. And and everyone kind of collectively looked around and said, wow, this is really it. And, you know, people started to cry. People got choked up. I got choked up. I mean, what, I'm 23 years old. I've watched Big Ben since 2012. So that's it's about half of my life. I've watched this, man. Yeah. And, and it means a lot to these people. You know, it, this is a blue-collar football city, and they love that man. Um, 
So that's when it really started to get, you know, sad and real sentimental for everything he's done for the franchise. And not to mention the, the shot of him walking down the tunnel with his kids and his wife in both arms and his son kind of just rests his head up against his leg. This cowboy had some juice left in him and now he's going to ride off into the sunset the way he should. Yeah. You sound Um, like you're about to cry right now. Listen, I might, it was, it was such a powerful moving moment um, to just feel a part of something like that for so long. It was incredible. You know what, man, you mentioned a little bit about how you once there was a shift in the season where you knew the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't going to win the championship and not everyone can go out like 18 <laughs> and Manning right into the sunset with a championship. How annoying is he? I'm just, listen, bro, it has nothing to do with what I'm saying. I'm just saying not everyone can go out on top. Like my Broncos, John Elway and Payne Manning, you know, maybe it's just a Denver thing. That being said, I can appreciate the the being stern on trying to to move your franchise forward. Ultimately, you're you're a team first kind of guy. And and you know what? Fans can respect that, can appreciate that, where you compare it to Derek Jeter single. Only pushback on that is that Derek Jeter was a five-time champion is one of the most beloved sports figures in sports history, period. Big Ben has a little bit of pushback on him, given his allegations, regardless of how you feel on him and his personal matter. Derek Jeter is at a whole nother level. Uh, but I'm not going to take anything away from Ben. You're 100% right. Everything he's meant to the, to the city of Pittsburgh, everything he's done for the franchise of the Steelers, you can't discredit anything he's done. Two-time champion, uh, one of the all-time leaders in passing yards, one of the all-time leaders in completion percentage. This guy was the epitome of a franchise guy. You can't do anything but appreciate everything that he's done, at least in between those lines. I mean, I absolutely agree with you. Um, Derek Jeter, across all sports, just talking legend in general, he's a lot. But let's not discredit everything Ben has done, not just for the city of Pittsburgh, but for the sport of football in general. If he gets enshrined into the Hall of Fame, he will be the physically largest quarterback to ever be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Hence, Big Ben. He is the most sacked quarterback in NFL history, playing at the age of 39, right? So this man is true and true a Pittsburgh Steeler. And he's also the best franchise quarterback we have ever had. No knock to Terry Bradshaw. He won four chips. But that defense was nothing short of spectacular. Everything Big Ben did and his career. Uh, I saw something earlier today. I forgot who tweeted it, so I unfortunately can't give the credit. But they had mentioned how when Big Ben came in as a young QB and helped support the aging Jerome Bettis win the most important game of his life in, uh, in the Super Bowl, it then flipped on him very fast because now the Steelers are trying to do everything they can to give Big Ben that one last chip. But unfortunately, we just don't have the roster strength to do it. Now, Derek Jeter was a five-time champion. Big Ben is a two-time champion. But the sports of baseball and football are completely different. Football is the ultimate team sport. You have 22 guys on that field, 11 at a time. You make one mistake as one man, and everything that team worked to accomplish is gone. Now, I'm no baseball expert, but I can tell you as someone that's played football and watched football for a better part of half of my life that any mistake that happens on that field is punished, and punished very badly. 
So for Big Ben to win two championships and be the youngest quarterback to win a Super Bowl, regardless of if he won the MVP or not, the youngest QB to ever win a Super Bowl, that man is a legend. No matter if you're a Browns fan, a Bears fan, or Seahawks fan, you know and you respect Big Ben Roethlisberger. He is probably arguably top 10 of all time and might just get in there. Oh, goodness. Top 10 quarterback of all time? You on crack? Very well could be for everything he's done. His ability to extend the play is something no quarterback outside of the the modern QB is something. Yeah. To, All right, who, you know, who's who's better all time, Drew Brees or Big Ben? I have to say Big Ben. Now, me. now, now, listen. Let me let me explain my stat. If you look at the dichotomy between that's a big word, sorry, duality of. Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin's coaching careers. They are almost neck and neck. Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin have almost the same record, almost the same everything across the board. But there's one thing that separates the two of them, and it's the two Super Bowls that Mike Tomlin has because of Big Ben. That pass to Santonio Holmes wins that Super Bowl, and no other quarterback in the NFL at the time or now makes that throw. Now, Jesus Christ! Out, that could be the. Brady's most not making that throw. Rogers isn't making. Zach that Wilson throw. is making that throw. Listen, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Outside of that, though, in a more serious note, I do have to take Big Ben because even statistically, Drew Brees is better in most categories. But Big Ben, I mean, for my life that I've watched him, had the better like arm strength in terms of that and the ability to extend the play, like I mentioned before. Yeah. Big Ben, the most sacked quarterback in NFL history, still managed to win two championships with shoddy offensive lines, to say the least. They were the best during the 2010s uh, when Mike Munchak was the offensive, uh, sorry, the offensive line coach, and we won zero championships. Um, but you can't blame Big Ben because that offense was buzzing, the killer bees, but that defense, boy, was it sorry. Um, but yeah, I take Big Ben. Yeah, any pushback, I would give you a little pushback. I would give you a little pushback, not on the top 10 thing, but you mentioned that you couldn't put the team around Ben to win the Super Bowl. I think you guys aren't winning the Super Bowl because of Ben. Oh like my ben, goodness. I can't this year, this year, that's the reason the reason you guys aren't going to the Super Bowl this year is because of the team, not because Ben is average. He just threw he had 48 complete, line, 48 attempts, and he had oh, like 200 yards, not even. He had like three yards per attempt. You can't move the ball down the field. With all due respect, Joel. You have two of the you have two great receivers. You have a young running back who's very promising, who's probably top 15 this year. You have the defensive player of the year. It's because Big Ben just ha- he's been a bad quarterback. Okay. So this is the most turnover worthy plays in the whole NFL this year. Okay. So there's two things that go into this. The Steelers don't have a chance of winning a championship this year because we give up on average 180 rushing yards a game since week eight. No team, no matter who your quarterback is, is going to be able to win a championship with that kind of rush defense. Yes, we do have the defensive player of the year in TJ Watt. But like I had said before, this is a team game. You need everybody there. Our defensive line has been riddled with injuries all year. Stefan Tewitt has Everyone's been, been injured. Stefan Tewitt has been out all year. Devin Bush coming off of ACL surgery has looked like a shadow of himself. He has not played downhill. He has not played vertical. He's been very passive. Joe Schobert was a good pickup in the offseason, but he's more of a coverage linebacker than he is a run stuffer, absolute brute. So 
just off of that, the front seven hasn't been able to stop a nosebleed. And the second most important part of that is that our offensive coordinator is very new and, in my opinion, not very good. The play calling has been shoddy, to say the least. In about, I believe it was a four-game stretch, we played the Vikings, which was the most notable. Uh, I believe it was the Bengals. I'd have to look at the season. I didn't bring anything for this. Um, But when Big Ben started to call the plays in the fourth quarter, the Steelers averaged about 21 points in the fourth quarter alone. Ben was throwing over the middle. Ben was throwing outside of the numbers with heat, mind you. If it wasn't for Pat Fryermuth getting hit and dropping the ball in the end zone, the Steelers beat the Vikings and have the biggest comeback win in NFL history. When Big Ben's been in charge of that offense and calling the plays, we've scored points. But I think our belief in our offensive coordinator has really killed us this season. And, and it shows. The plays have been subpar, to say the least. I mean, bro, Ben just went 24 for 46 for 123 yards. It's hard to be that inefficient. Like, that's impressive that that it's that inefficient that you're averaging three yards in attempts. Like, three yards in attempt, running backs average more yards per carry than that yards per attempt. Big Ben just hasn't been able to move the ball down the field. I know you're saying it's because of the offensive coordinator, but if the offensive coordinator sees success when Ben throws the ball down the field, why don't they throw the ball down the field more? You have Chase Claypool, who's one of the best 50-50 receivers in the league, and Deontay Johnson, who's one of the most explosive receivers in the league, plus a great tight end and Pat Fryermuth. Like, you have the weapons. Because, bro, you put Rodgers on this team, you're a Super Bowl team. I know he's the best quarterback in the league. You put Derek Carr on this team, you're going to the playoffs at a minimum. See, from some – so, obviously, I was at the game. Um, and there were a lot of drops. It was a very sloppy game in general. There wasn't a lot of offensive productivity from either side. Sands, the Najee Harris dominant game, our offensive line looked really good. Um, but we saw this even last year with the old offensive coordinator. For some reason, there is a lack of like there is a lack of belief that Ben can throw it down the field, whether it's in the coaching staff or not. But he can still do it as evidenced by those four games where he targeted the middle of the field down the seam. Yes, Chase Claypool was a good 50-50 receiver, but he drops the ball. He has a drop problem. I've seen a lot of passes, especially Monday night, just dropped passes. If you want to be a good 50-50 receiver, you got to go up and you got to catch that ball. And listen, Claypool is very good at what he does. and He can catch the ball, but there's a lot of times where he has drops. But from week 11, when the Steelers started to slide last season, the play calling went from, you know, relying on the run, run, relying on the play action pass to switching to this extension of the run game, short passing slants and and hooks and, and stick routes for the reason that I don't know, because when Ben targets the middle of the field, the Steelers score points and it just hasn't been that way. You know, even Monday night, a lot of stick routes were called. Deontay Johnson on little five-yard ins, five-yard outs, five-yard curls. I don't understand where that lack of belief comes from, but it's evident in the play calling that, yeah, he's very inefficient because the routes being ran are only eight yards down the field to begin with. Now that you're moving on from this Big Ben era, are you all in on Dwayne Haskins? God, please say no. Please say no. Well, listen, my heart says one thing, DH Simba, but my brain says another. <laughs> um, I would 
have liked to see Dwayne Haskins get his shot. I actually saw Dwayne play here in Philadelphia in the preseason and he looked really good. I mean, obviously preseason doesn't mean much, but that's where the young QBs grow. Um, I would have liked to see Dwayne get a shot in the regular season, but I think now um, the coaching staff would have seen it if they wanted it. You know, he had a great training camp and they still don't feel the belief in putting him in. Mm. So I, I think it's time that we, with the free agent market so saturated in QBs as is this year, this team is built for a veteran quarterback, a veteran good quarterback. If we you just told me the team's not ready to win with Big Ben, yeah, you need to upgrade that quarterback. He's not well, mobile. The O line is terrible. Well, it yes, was just ranked no. a couple of weeks ago the twenty second, twenty seventh, excuse me, worst O line in the league. Yeah, I don't Dude, think I the mean, Steelers are contenders, bro. You mentioned no, Rodgers, but Rodgers makes like fifty percent of teams. Contenders. Yeah, no, I, I know. I stopped. I said Derek Carr. Derek Carr's taking this team to the playoffs. All right, but Big Ben is a game away from taking this team to the playoffs too. You're being very critical of Ben when he's had some success this season. They have if he if he mm. really was very as minimal. bad as you're saying, they would be a two and fourteen type team. Yeah, I feel like we're not putting an emphasis on how important it is for run defenses to actually make a difference for the Steelers. Like we want to. It was one out of four or five games in the middle of the season. And in that stretch, we gave up 180 yards a game. No matter how well Ben played, you're not going to win the game giving up that many yards on the ground. It's just not possible. I mean, week one was impressive. You guys beat the Bills, but then you have wins over the Broncos, Seahawks, Browns, Bears. You tied with the Lions. Ravens, Mason nice Rudolph divisional win. The starting quarterback. Titans, that's fair. Titans, a nice win. Then Browns again, like. What what am I supposed to like this Titans win? That's your best one in the season for sure. But I look at the rest of your schedule, like what, what has he really done to impress me? You guys have zero games of 300 plus yards passing. Najee, you guys been the worst rush team in the NFL. Like it's because if you had an upgrade at quarterback, you're probably a playoff team. Derek Carr adds at least one more victory to this team. Okay, one more victory. Like, come on, bro. One we talking about, we talking about one more win. I said at least one. Maybe give him three, bro. Who knows? And again, we're looking at that Vikings game as if Big Ben didn't lead one of the more impressive comeback. Yeah, I guess it that wasn't was impressive. Victory, but you also have to be—you have to be down thirty to come back from thirty-two. But how I do you understand. think we got down thirty points? Dalvin Cook had two hundred and what was it, fifteen yards on the ground? And he we're had gonna, almost he had 150 in the first half. We're gonna yeah, blame is. that on Big Ben. Big Ben's not playing linebacker. Big Ben's not playing defensive tackle. The Steelers this year, I don't think are contenders. But you get Aaron Rodgers on this team, and we have a solid draft. You draft O line, you make acquisitions on the defensive front seven. This team is definitely a contender, if not a favorite. You know, you put Aaron Rodgers on this team, you make one or two draft picks for offensive line. You move – well, Devin Bush, I believe, is going to be here next season. We're not going to pick up his option. But you you make an acquisition at linebacker. You make an acquisition at defensive tackle. Stephon Tuitt comes back from his season off. This team, this defense, gets back to where it was before all of these injuries came in and, and Devin Bush, you know, not being what he was. You put Aaron Rodgers on this team with all those offensive weapons and a, another year older with the offensive line, not to mention a new offensive line coach – this team is a contender, whether so, you want it or not. Ben, ben Roethlisberger yeah, sure. went amongst where he ranks all time in terms of Steelers quarterback stats. Ben Roethlisberger is first all time in yards, touchdowns, wins, completion percentage, fourth quarter comebacks, game winning drives. He has those two Super Bowl championships. And when looking at most passing yards by a single quarter by a Steelers quarterback in a single season, 
Big Ben shows up nine times in a row. For touchdowns, it's seven times in a row. Now, before you go, Joe, you mentioned Dwayne Haskins. Your heart says yes, but your mind says no. I'm assuming it's the, for Mason Rudolph, you have no belief in him, right? When he played that game against the Lions, and now I've been out on Mason Rudolph since I saw him fill in and he lost the job to Duck Hodges. Shout out Steelers legend. <laughs> he had the worst QBR in the league this season for any quarterback in that game against the Lions. He played one game. I think Dwayne Haskins should be second on the depth chart, but then again, I'm no NFL coach. I'm no NFL scout. Mason Rudolph is not the answer. We've seen enough. The proof is in the pudding. Very low floor, very low ceiling. I'm out. Give me a realistic Big Ben's quarterback. Also 26 in QBR this way, by the way. Give me a quarterback. Give me a quarterback. Give me the quarterback you want to be the Steelers quarterback going into next season. I mean, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> give me, give me the, give me three names. All right, we know one already, but give me maybe if you don't get the which is guy, Aaron Rodgers, like two others that are more realistic. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. Um, so I think for the Steelers, the best case scenario for them obviously is Aaron Rodgers, but I think it's a Rodgers or bust scenario. I think you go all in for Aaron Rodgers, and that's what you try and get. If you don't get him, suck it up next season. We're starting either Mason or Dwayne Haskins. Um, I think the QB class coming out, they're solid, but nobody sells me to the point where I think they're the next franchise. Listen, Kenny Pickett to the Steelers would be a great hometown story, and maybe there's something about it. So mm-hmm. if I had to go one through three, it would be Aaron Rodgers, number one, Kenny Pickett, number two, and Dwayne Haskins, number three, just for the fact that we'll probably draft a QB in the 24th class. You, you don't even want to try a Jimmy G, a Matt Ryan, a Teddy Bridgewater. You don't want to try any of those veteran, you know, type guys. I think those are one of those best examples of the facade that just blows years by. If we got Jimmy G, if we got Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, we'll win games, but we're not winning a championship. Yeah, but that's and, fair. But even if you have a rookie or, or like a Haskins or, I mean, I don't think I don't think Haskins or Rudolph's in the picture. I think if you have a rookie or even a veteran, like your team's still going to be good enough to win like at least five games where you're not going to have a top five pick. If we were to get a rookie, I would agree with you. I think we'd probably win about six six games, maybe seven, because of Tomlin's coaching. But crowd. then you have a rookie, so you have a you know you, have, you have someone that there potential you want to build to with. grow. I agree. Yes. But I think with the Jimmy G and Teddy Bridgewater situation, we know what we're going to get. You're going to get guys who are going to win you games. They're good QBs. And with the roster that we have, yeah, we'll make the playoffs. And yeah, we might win one game. But we're looking for the guy to win the Super Bowl. We have TJ Watt, who's not getting any younger. We have Cam Hayward, who definitely (laughs) definitely not getting any younger. But he's played his best season of his career this year. Um, Minka, Joe Hayden, you know, these are guys, you know, Joe Hayden might probably won't be back with us, but these are guys where I don't want to waste the years on a QB. We know what we're going to get. We need a guy that either is going to have the potential to grow or a guy that is known to win chips in Aaron Rodgers. And what, I think that's it. What about Tua? <laughs> what about Tua? Facts. How do you feel about that, Joe? How do you feel about Tua to the Steelers? Ah, listen, I will spare Drew the earache. I will spare him the nosebleed. I want nothing to do with Tua Tagovailoa on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Tonga. Tonga Vailoa, bastard. Whatever it is, he's not built for the cold. He's not built for the Steelers. 
And I'll tell you what, he's not built to throw the ball down the field. Thank you. That is all. Thank you so much for your time, Joe. Get out thank of you, here. Joe. Of course, guys. Thank Goodbye. you so much for having me on. No problem. You, and, and it's a perfect segue because we're going to talk about the Dolphins right now. Tua had his shot to win out and make the playoffs. And we were all looking at week 18 as the game versus the Patriots where he was going to get eliminated. But it was actually against the Titans. And, Drew, you're going to Miami still. You're still going to fly out there. Hopefully, somebody that is watching can buy you a drink at a bar or something, and you guys can cry together. <laughs> the Dolphins lost 3-34 to against the Titans. The Dolphins have been eliminated from the playoffs. Now, to be eliminated in this fashion is embarrassing. Is embarrassing. Oh my God. And I, He's I, getting rude. I, t- I texted you after the game and I said, hey, man, are you okay? And you said, yeah, I'm all good. And I said, okay, I just want to make sure because I know it was tough. Tua went 18 for 38, had 205 yards and an interception, 47% completion percentage. He fumbled three times. Nine fumbles on a season, by the way. And only Justin Fields has fumbled more times, throwing fewer than 370 passes. We don't even know what Fields is yet. We don't know if he's going to be great or going to be bad, but that's not good company. He had one big-time throw to water. I know you're going to rave about that. That was the only highlight of the game. What Whoa. did I tell you, Drew? What, what have I been saying about Tua this entire time? I said the Dolphins' win streak was a facade because the, they didn't face any good teams. The first time that Tua had some real competition on defense was against the Saints, and the Dolphins barely won. They only won because Ian Book, he was a deer in headlights out there. And for all the Dolphins fans that last week wanted to get on me in the comments for what I said, oh, oh he's obviously going to hate on Tua. He's wearing a Zach Wilson jersey. Oh, he's a typical Jets fan. Dolphins fans have to stop acting all high and mighty like their team has had any success. What did I say was going to happen? Tannehill was going to have a big time game. And those two touchdowns, they were big time. My oh my boy, my, 120 my boy no. Deontay Foreman, baby Derrick Henry with 100 plus rushing yards. I told you, sometimes he looks like Henry out there. I'm, I, my eyes are not lying. Sometimes he looks like that out there. But let's talk about the Dolphins. The last time they made the playoffs was in 2016, and they lost to the Steelers with, with Matt Moore starting at quarterback. The Dolphins haven't won a playoff game since 2000 when they beat the Seahawks 20-17 to in the wild card round. The very next round, they lost 7-62 to in the divisional round against Jacksonville. They haven't made the AFC Championship since 1993. The Jets we made the AFC Championship in 2009 and 2010. Guess what? We got four playoff wins. Four playoff wins in the last 12 years. That's more than Dolphins. So these Dolphins fans trying to act like their franchise is all high and all high and mighty. You couldn't win with Dan Marino, and you're definitely not winning with Tua Tunga Vailoa since I'm always getting his name wrong. It's Tunga. Tunga Vailoa. And now I'm pretty sure the entire Dolphins fan base is split. Between should we keep Tua or should we move on? So, Drew, I'm asking you the question. You're the Tua guy. You're the Tua lover. Should the Dolphins move on from Tua or should they keep him? 
And don't forget, you said he was more accurate than Mahomes, than Burrow, than Herbert. So I want you to have the floor right now. All right. A lot of things to unpack here. A lot of things just thrown at me. It was a rough, rough Sunday. Not going to say it wasn't. Now, for all those that are still on this video, given the fact that Joel just continued to run on and on and on and on about how bad the Dolphins are, I appreciate you because I know you guys are here to listen to what I have to say. Since I am the the face of Finn family here on this podcast, since no one else is going to give them their due diligence. Understandably, I'm here with two Jets fans. Again, as you guys know, Jets are going to be the Jets. They're going to hate on the Dolphins regardless. Now, to go into Sunday. I definitely will give some backlash to Tua. However, I don't fully believe that this game was his fault. You mentioned about the accuracy. What is he supposed to do in inclement weather when his coaches are not putting him in a position to be successful? Mike Kosicki came on to the podium after the game and said there was no scheme for inclement weather in practice, not once. Now, I'm a huge fan of Flores. I really am. But as the defensive coordinator, he's not a head coach, in my opinion. They need an offensive-minded head coach that when Brian Flores is on the sideline, when while two is there, he's not drilling him with just negative feedback, but actually something that's going to benefit him on the field in terms of adjustments. The offensive coordinator, I had not been too low on, but not too high on. I was appreciative of them running the RPO offense, given the fact that their offensive line is the worst in the league. And we saw it on display this Sunday. Now, in terms of Tua's play, I went over the film multiple times. I needed to make sure what I was not, what I was going to say on the show wasn't baloney. 18 for 38 interception, no touchdowns. You look at the stat line, it looks like Tua had the worst game humanly possible. Now, there was two two throws specifically that I looked at throughout that game and thought, that's on Tua. This is a bad throw. There was one over the top where he had Gesicki and he had Parker, and he kind of threw the ball in between them. Must have been a miscommunication on the route, who knows, where he just sailed it right in between the two, and it should have been an interception, no doubt. The safety just dropped the ball. Then there was another one where he's scrambling outside the pocket and he throws the ball on the run, just throws it in the dirt. Those were the two throws that I looked at and thought, this is on Tua. He needs to get better at throwing on the run. That's the only thing that I look at going into this offseason that Tua really needs to work on because he's a little bit more mobile than I've been giving him credit. He was this Sunday specifically against the Titans where they were really pressuring him. He was scrambling to his strong side and he was making some throws happen. Uh, Joel, uh, he mentioned his TikTok. Go ahead and show that. Uh, give that some love uh, on TikTok. I believe it's at Joel Dells. He, he, there was a one play specifically that he singled out where Tua is scrambling to his strong side, throws it borderline cross body and hits him perfectly right where he needs to be. To say that Tua, the only good play that Tua had was to waddle is borderline egregious. Uh, I do believe we, we'd spoken a little bit before the show, Joel, that, you know, you give him a, a little bit of, of hate the, to the fact that it looks like he's given his all into every single throw. Go look at that throw to waddle. That throw was effortless. It was perfect right on the money. Given the fact that this game was in inclement weather, and given the fact the coaches refused to scheme up for a game like this, especially with the fact that they live in Miami, they understand the conditions of playing in the rain to not scheme for it at all. 
And for the fact for the run game to be non-existent in the second half is beyond me. You had Duke Johnson, seven carries, 49 yards in the first half, and you barely used him in the second half. I don't want to hear the whole game script was changed in the second half. It was 17 to three, 10 minutes left, and they were on the Titans end of the field. They more than had a chance. There was two times that they had this where one, two drives both times, one the full length of the field, the other regular field, regular field um, position, excuse me. And two of that first time drove them from the two yard line into Titans territory where they were taken out because the O-line can't hold for, for more than a second and a half. It seems like number 77. I don't even know his name. I don't want to disrespect him. He's in the NFL. Shout out to you. God bless you. You're not meant for the dolphins. You've been horrible. This O season, this whole season, excuse me. You've been a huge liability to his blind side, especially as a lefty. You need to be the best O-lineman on the field and night, Week in, week out, you have been the worst player on the O-line, without a doubt. You blow his blind side up every single week. They need a replacement on right tackle, without a doubt. And there's two times where now he's driving down the field. He's in Titans territory. Jason Sanders, who's been a liability all season kicking field goals, misses the field goal to put them 17-6. And then on fourth down, now that he's missed that field goal, the next drive, fourth and 11, they're not kicking a field goal because they're down two scores. And instead of them kicking, instead of being in a position to kick a field goal where it'd be a one score game, the whole game script is different. Who knows what happens? Now you force their hand, fourth and 11, them to throw the ball to Devontae Parker, who one was egregiously pass interference with, with like that was one of the worst non calls of the entire game, if not the worst call, non call of the entire game. And that basically was the beginning of the end for the game. You you don't get that fourth down conversion. The very next drive, Tennessee goes and scores a touchdown that drive, 24 to three. Of course, the game scripts out the window. You have to pass the football. And already where inclement weather has played a huge role in this game, it was doomed. 24-3 with seven minutes left. The game's over. Dante Foreman absolutely left his mark on this game. And forget about Tannehill. He had 120 yards. I'm not looking at him as the reason why they won this game. The reason they won this game was Dante Foreman. Without a doubt, he was spectacular. But ultimately, I'm not looking at Tua leaving this game thinking, I'm looking at Tua as the main reason the Dolphins lost this game. There's no way, if you watch the game, you watch every throw that he made that you can leave with that remark. Should they move on from Tua, given the fact they have all this cap space and they've put him in zero position to be successful all season outside of them really changing the play call to RPO? That was the only good thing the Dolphins did for Tua. They said, we're going to run more RPOs because, one, you're so efficient and so accurate with the football that you can get it out quickly and make smart decisions. Other than that, they've done nothing to benefit him. They gave him one weapon in, in Jalen Waddle. They have an average run game at best. I said it earlier, Miles Gaskin's not that dude. Duke Johnson came in and was eons more effective than Miles Gaskin had been all season. And, and Devontae Parker, as much as I want to give this guy credit for in the past, what have you done for me lately? This game against the Titans, he had chance after chance after chance to help Tua out. Did not make a single play for him. And I understand that he was interfered with. No doubt he was interfered with on that fourth down. You got to stop stop arguing with the ref and make a play for your guy. It, it, there was multiple times where I saw Devontae Parker get a hand on a ball. make a, There was a chance for him to make a play, and he did not come through with it. Now, I'm not going to give Waddle a break either because he's been spectacular all season. But on Sunday, he had a couple drops that would have been big for, for, the, for the Dolphins. Overall, I'm looking at inclement weather 
and I'm looking at irresponsible coaching as the reasons why the Dolphins lost on Sunday. Do I think they should move on? Absolutely not. They need to address the O-line. They need to get him one more weapon outside, maybe a a Melvin Gordon-type player in the backfield as well that is a dual-threat running back-type wide receiver to move on unless the name is Deshaun Watson would be irresponsible and incorrect. Drew, before you go, Jelano, you want to talk? Uh-huh, go ahead, go ahead. Drew, that was beautiful. And you, for, for a second there, you almost made me switch my stance on, on Tua for a second because, because you just spoke so beautifully and I just wanted to give you that credit. Um, I just want to let you know that there was a point in time where Tua was eighth in QBR. He's 18th now. He was first in completion percentage. You raved about that. He's seventh now. Joe Burrow is completing 70% of his passes, and we all know he's throwing the ball way deeper than Tua. Who's more accurate now? I'm still going to arrive with my boy. I mean, I'm not going to look at one game where inclement weather played a factor terribly when I've seen all season Tua being one of the more accurate, most accurate quarterbacks in the league. If, if we want to go with the grand scheme of things and say the better quarterback, hey, I have no argument right now. Joe Burrow is among the best in the league right now. If that's the argument we want to go with, hey, I have my I have to raise my hands and I have to say Joe Burrow has it. But if we're talking strictly placement, Joe Burrow is fantastic in terms of ball placement. But outlier with this Sunday, two has been borderline flawless with ball placement all year. It's interesting you say that, Drew. Because I, I have two two real thoughts here. One's more of a thought experiment. The other is more statistical, right? So we talk a lot about this win streak the, the Dolphins went on. And for these this last month or so, I've kind of let you two go at it. Joel's on one side, you're on the other. I've kind of been meddling. But as the weeks go on, I'm, I'm more and more taking Joel's side. And for anyone who says we're Jets fans, Joel's one of the biggest Mac Jones fans ever. He's a Tom Brady fan. I, I've criticized him for that in the past, but... It's not a Jets thing. You know, I have no problem. I think Max can be really good. Josh Allen's a stud. This is a Tua issue, right? So I went through it. From weeks 10 to 17, remind you, they're playing the Ravens, who's had a bad defense, the Jets twice worst defense in the league, Panthers style, the Giants, Saints, Titans. Not the most great competition, but like you said, Drew, let's look at the totality. And really since Tua has come back from injury, he has 1,500 yards, 16th most in the NFL. Eight touchdowns, 18th most in the NFL. He has 13 turnover-worthy plays. It's the same as Trevor Lawrence, same as Taylor Heineke, which is the sixth most in the NFL. He has a turnover-worthy play on 5.2% of his attempts, the third highest rate in the NFL. And his, his accuracy, that's, that's his calling card. He's 10th in adjusted completion percentage. Above average, but if that's your calling card, you need to be top five. And I know what you're going to say. This week... In the, from weeks 10 to 17, he's 10th in adjusting completion percentage. That's not that's fine. That's good. But we you're talking Tua as being the one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. And I know the biggest issue all season has been offensive line. In that span, he's been sacked 12 times. It's the 18th most. He's been pressured 69 times. It's the 18th most. Guys like Derek Carr, Dak, Josh Allen, Burrow, Cousin, Mahomes, Herbert, Kyler, all pressured more than him. When Tua is kept clean in the pocket this season, he's ranked as the 18th highest passer. He has the 19th highest adjusted completion percentage, and he's 25th in ADOT. So when he has the time and he has the offensive line, he's been below average. He hasn't been great all season. He's had his moments here and there, 
but I look at these last seven weeks when he's been the starter going on this run, and it hasn't been because of Tua. Their defense has been great. So that's my first point. And, Joe, that's right. The one game where their defense isn't forcing turnovers, say what you want about Tannehill. He managed the game. He was efficient. He didn't fumble three times like Tua. He didn't throw an interception like Tua. Tannehill was efficient. Want to know why? Because he's the man of hell. That's number one. Ryan Tannehill was putting off for Tennessee. And we're going get to get into the Titans more next segment. I want to believe in Tua, man. I really do. And for your sake, you got the you got the Tua jersey right behind you to your left. You know, it's all cool and stuff like that. I said it last year. I never called Tua a bust. All I said was that the Dolphins will forever regret taking Tua over Justin Harbert. And everybody knows that's a fact. But I also said this. He's Jimmy Garoppolo. And that might be generous to Tua. Because Jimmy G at least took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. And if you ask me who's better between Jimmy G and Tua, Jimmy G is better than Tua. You can win games in the NFL with Tua. But that's that's about all you're going to do. And I'm not going to say it's all Tua because the Dolphins have a lot of holes. Jason Sanders, you're right. He's only made 72% of his kicks this season. Last year, it was at 92%. Their offensive line, the worst in the NFL. They have no running game to speak of. It's not all Tua's fault. But when this roster does get assembled, we're going to see a similar situation happen in Miami to what's happening in Cleveland right now with Baker. You know I don't like Baker too much. I mean, you know, I, I mean, pardon me. You know I've been defending Baker because he's dealt with a lot of injuries. But even in that, I don't think Baker's a franchise-changing guy. He's a good quarterback, and right now he's getting knocked for being one of the worst quarterbacks, which he has been this season. But when he's healthy, I think Baker is also in that Jimmy G tier where you can win with him, but you're not going to win because of him. The Dolphins will never win because of Tua. They'll also never win in spite of Tua. It's going to be a fair, common, middle ground. Now, Joel, you said something specific about all these numbers with a clean pocket. Now, a lot of that is skewed because of week 17. Last week, just last week, he was number one in passer rating with a clean pocket just last week. Now we look at this week where, yes, some balls were sailing a little bit high. This is because the ball was wet and he had not been prepared given the fact that these coaches did not scheme a game plan for inclement weather. You're a professional coach. You you know the forecast. These are things that go into account when scheming up a game, scheming for a game, excuse me. I understand the stats that you read off, and yes, if we're reading them this week, they sound horrible. We're reading them last week, they're spectacular. Because again, like I said, he was number one in passer rating last week with a clean pocket. And the whole him being not not pressured, not being sacked, uh, the, the most in the league, 18th most, it's because he's getting the ball out so quickly because he understands the time that he has in the pocket is so minimal. We have not seen a quarterback who is as 
much of a pocket passer as Tua is because you look at Burrow, you look at Herbert. These guys, Herbert has a good old line this year, but you look at, at, at Burrow specifically, his old line's not the best, but his ability to scramble outside the pocket and make plays happen, given the fact that he has Jamar Chase, he has T. Higgins, he has Tyler Boyd, he has Joe Mixon that's an effective uh, pass catching back out of the backfield. You have T.J. Huzmanzada. Tua does not have that luxury that Burrow C.J. Uzama. Weapons. Uzama, excuse me. Yeah, T.J., he's retired. What did I say, Huzmanzada? I yeah. apologize. U- Uzama, I, excuse me. I'm thinking of another bangle. Yeah. Um, you you look at, at that sense of it, and he needs to get the ball out fast because, one, he's not as mobile as these other guys, and, and two, this O-line is not holding a block to save their life. So to, to, so to read those stats, I understand that they don't look great on paper, but again, there are things that go into it that are reasons why he needs to get the ball out so fast. Cause if not, he is not the mobile type of guy and he's going to get murdered. We saw it with Eli Manning and I don't want Tua to have that same fate over the, the, the end of Eli's career where Eli yeah. had a great pack. He had a great pocket. What happened? He was able to elevate his team when he need, when he needed to most and he won a championship. Now, we saw when Eli didn't have a great O-line that everyone was bashing Eli, that he's washed, that he's not good. But we haven't seen the Giants have success since Eli's been gone. Now, Tua is in a similar situation where he has a terrible O-line. He's a pocket passer type quarterback who has shown when he has a clean pocket, he can be effective. Why am I going to, to, to backtrack on my thoughts given the fact that I've seen what he can do when he has a clean pocket? I know the accuracy that he has. I know the capability and the abilities that he has. I'm not going to backtrack on any of that. So I took out week 17, right? Inclement weather, bad game. Weeks 10 to 16, he's eighth in adjusted completion percentage. He is number one in regular completion percentage. When you take adjusted, so you take out, you know, the batted balls, the throwaways, the spikes, whatever you want to do. Adjusted completion percentage, he's eighth. Turnover worthy plays 10.2% of times, which is second most in the league. So it got worse because after last game. It didn't get better. But I want to go moving on from the statistical thing because we could talk stats all day. I put this little list together here because I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts, right? When we talk about cat, uh, quarterbacks, put them in a, I have four categories. The first category is I'm not moving them no matter what. These players, a couple of them might get traded at some point just because of personal reasons. But Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Herbert Burrow, Lamar, Kyler, Russ, Deshaun. If I have these quarterbacks, my franchise is set. I'm not moving on no matter what. The next tier is I'm happy they're my guy. But if one of those other guys become available, I'm picking up the phone and I'm trading for them. Stafford, Derek Carr, Cousins, Dak, Tannehill. Not eight quarterbacks. They could have eight moments for a season. They're probably not going to be MVP-like. Staffy being on that list is crazy. No, it's it's not. He's not on that elite tier. Now, I have unproven, but these guys I'm still confident are going to work out. Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Wilson, Mack, Fields, Lance. So all these rookies plus Jalen Hurts, who's really had a full 16 games now. So he's first full season, took him to the playoffs. I'm, I'm pretty high on Jalen Hurts. Now this is my last year. These are the guys that I want to upgrade. I'm going out and I'm trying to upgrade. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Jimmy G, Baker, Tua. That's where I have Tua right now. I'm not saying you go and you move on from Tua to get Teddy Bridgewater, but I, in a heartbeat, would trade Tua in a first-round pick and get a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins. Why is Matt Ryan there? Why is Matt Ryan there? 
I want to upgrade over Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is better. My Matt, team. Matt Ryan is better than Derek Carr. No. Oh, yes, goodness. he is. No. no. Not right now. Not at this point no. in time. No. Matt Ryan may be older, but if I want to win this season and I have a roster to win this season, who? Give me Derek Carr. No, give me Matt Ryan. Matt oh, Ryan is better Derek than Carr Derek Carr. has gone Carr. through. John Gruden's fired. Henry Ruggs gets arrested. What has He's Matt Ryan gone Jones, through? Bro, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan has had an abysmal offensive line since going to the Super Bowl in 2016, bro. What are you, what are you bro, talking about Raiders here? offensive line is terrible, too. Last year it wasn't. Just this year it has been. Okay, this year it's been terrible. They're a game away from the playoffs. And his wide receiver one has been Brian Edwards the last month and a half. What are the Hunter Falcons Henry, this year? The Falcons have Hunter Renfro, yes. yes. The Falcons have overachieved this season. So have the Raiders. They're nine and eight. Their head Raiders coach got fired. What's what's more? What's Henry, more? Their deep hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Darren what's, Waller got hold on, hurt. Hold on, hold on. What's their first round pick got arrested? Both of them, Arnett and Henry Ruggs. Arnett was bad anyway. Ruggs was important, but Arnett was trash anyway. The Atlanta Falcons having this record is more impressive than the Raiders having their record, bro. Why? They're in a tougher the, division, too. Bro, they the Falcons, the, Chiefs, the Chargers. Bro, the Falcons are made up of a bunch of vet minimum guys. Look at the Raiders roster, Can you bro. name me 10 players on the Falcons? I could try. You, you know what? <laughs> How about you try five? Try five. I can name five. You, yeah, five, five, like, five. Five that are that's, playing. That's so you can't you can't name me Calvin Matt Ridley. Ryan, Pitts, Russell Gage, um, Cordero Patterson, Mike Davis, AJ Terrell. That's six. Yeah. Need more. Um, I can't pronounce the, the receiver's last name that starts with a Z or Mary Zarkarius or whatever it is. Deion um, Jones, Alex I Mack. His name is Deion Jones. Alex Mack. Alex Mack's not um, on the team. He's on the 49ers. No, he is. He's on the 49ers. He's not even there. He's on what? Alex Mack. He's not even there. He is on the 49ers. He's on 49ers. He is, he is, he is. is. Um, What are we at right now? We're at like 6-7. Six, six, You're struggling. Which tells Young, me the Falcons Young, suck. Young Hoku. Young Hoku. That's a kicker. Legend. I could, hey, I, hey, hey. I could name you the players only because I, I, for some reason, I remember a lot of players. But like... Alua Khan, Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett. Um, Grady Jarrett. Who else do they have? They they just they got this player that uh he used to Dante Fowler, Zacchaeus wide receiver. Zacchaeus, yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm just, bro, the Falcons are a worse team than the Raiders. And what Matt Matt Ryan, it's, bro, they're both they've both overachieved for sure. But I okay, think okay. Derek Carr has okay, done a lot okay, more Joe, for that okay. organization. Drew, Drew, your team is a quarterback needy team right now that wants Correct. an upgrade. Age aside, this season, Matt Ryan or Derek Carr? That's very, very, very tough for me, man, because what Derek Carr has done this season, given the fact of what he's had to overcome, like Joel said, John Gruden's gone. This is one of his worst seasons statistically in the last four years. But even still, he's among the league leaders in passing yards. The only thing he's missing is that touchdown threat that's gone in Darren Waller since Thanksgiving. Henry Ruggs, who had been arrested. What are you going to say, Joel? Derek Carr has a higher completion percentage, a thousand more yards, two more touchdowns. He does have three more interceptions. Um, where else am I looking here? More yards per game, more touchdowns per game. I, I don't, I don't see with Matt Ryan how he could possibly be better this year. And he has a higher quarterback rating. They've been sacked the same amount of times. He has a higher yards per attempt. Well, what, what, what am I getting from Matt Ryan? 
Yeah, man. Derek Carr's also know. more mobile. What do you mean? Bro, all, all I'm pushing back on, I think Matt Ryan is better. All I'm pushing back on is that you said you're looking to upgrade from Matt Ryan. Yeah, the, that was strong. The Falcons, if anything, the Falcons are looking to trade Matt Ryan because you can get value for him and because they've needed to rebuild for two to three years now, if we're being honest. That's the only reason why. But if your team, you're more than happy with Matt Ryan. He's in that Kirk Cousins tier. The fact that you that placed be- him with Jimmy G is disrespectful. Kyle Shanahan. Matt Ryan's Kyle, on, Kyle, I think Kyle Matt Ryan Shanahan, is on Kyle, a downward trend. Kyle Shanahan would be disgusted with you right now. He <laughs> Matt Ryan won an MVP with Shanahan. In 2015, bro, or whatever year. 16. Like, bro, that was six years ago. That's a lifetime in the NFL. 2017. 2017. Even 2017. still, four bro, years is e- a long. Yo, yo. Eli Manning was a starting quarterback four years ago. I don't hey, really look at this. What look at this. Look at this. 2016, Matt Ryan threw 38 touchdowns. I, bro, seven I don't picks. care in 2016. Okay, I, I understand. Really I, I understand. But this is this is my point. Two years after, without Kyle Shanahan in 2018, he threw 35 touchdowns to seven picks, five, almost 5,000 yards, 4,900 yards. That was two years after. So it's not Sick. like what without, have you done for me lately. Well, no, nah, you love to say what have you done for me lately? Well, he has this year touchdowns. This oh, okay, year. okay, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But they've had no touchdown threat, like you've mentioned. Last year, he threw 26 touchdowns to 11 picks, 4,500 yards. Kyle Pitts is a touchdown type of guy, and he only has one this year. He's a and you told us last receiver. week Matt Ryan can't get the ball in the end zone. He did his that whole should, that, career hey, with Julio I'm Jones. just saying that because Julio Jones, that's been the story. But I guarantee you if he had and Calvin Ridley on his team, with, with it, it'd be Ryan. different. There's only two players who has 100 targets and only one touchdown. It's Kyle Pitts and Cole Beasley in the entire NFL. You know, I hope that, that my I hope I hope you know you 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 are dis being disrespectful okay, to a former league a MVP in putting him in a, in a in a category with Daniel Jones and Jimmy G. Well, Daniel that Jones is flat was not out disrespectful. I even put Daniel Jones on this list if I'm being honest. Okay, I think I, he's a bust. I okay, he's but just, he's just a backup. Who's in that? Who's in that tier of, of quarterbacks for you again? Matt Ryan. Matt, it, maybe it's maybe I'm more thinking of just the Falcon situation. They have to move on. But I had Wentz, Matt Ryan, Jimmy G, Baker, and Tua. Even Wentz. Wentz is it? Wentz, Wentz is in that. In you, you guys know how I feel about Wentz. You guys know how I feel. And I would want to upgrade. There, man. Tua, if you're telling me fact- if you're Wentz and you could call up and get a Stafford, Carr, Cousins, Dak, Tannehill, you wouldn't. They, they, they wait, wait, hold up. Yeah, they had the opportunity. The Colts could have traded for Stafford. They traded for they Wentz. Folded. They, they folded. traded for Wentz. They folded. I'll tell, I'll tell you why I'm upset at, at Tua being on this list. It's the fact that we're giving him no benefit of the doubt. Joel, you alluded to it a little bit, and this is the first time, truthfully, that I'm hearing you call out the the Miami O line, and I really appreciate. That. I've called them out the it's, entire time. Bro, we bring like, it out. We bring it bro, up every week. No, no, but I feel like it needs to be emphasized even more. Because, again, we're talking about a quarterback who is not a mobile-type guy. Mobile in the sense that he can actually make something happen with his legs. Like, a, like I wouldn't, I won't throw Kyler in that. Like, a, I would say a Dak Prescott or, or, or Aaron Rodgers to a Or degree. Zach Wilson. Sure. I'll even throw Zach Wilson in that category, too. You need to have a little mobility in today's game, I, bro. I don't, like, I don't, I, Tua doesn't have true. the biggest that's arm. That's not he, true. And Look, we've I don't, seen when true. he is clean, doesn't have the disagree, best completion I percentage. I, I don't totally with agree with that because Mac Jones is going to be just bro. fine. Look at exactly, Joel. You need that's a so little something. Not only that, not only Mac, that. Mac has a better arm than Tua. No, I know. Oh I know. I'm not I'm not saying this to say I'm sold on Tua. In what sense? 
Bro, Tua just has like a Mac bottom Jones five better, arm bro. in the league. No disrespect. But he, how, he has a bottom wh- five why, arm. Why, why are you saying that? What makes you – what have you seen that makes I, you I watch that? him play. He's made bro, way more big, big time throws than Tua. He threw the ball 15 yards down the field and his whole body jerk trying to make the throw. But again, we just spoke about it. That throw to Waddle was effortless. And it was yes, at when least he has, 35. When, when he's sitting, he's able to set his feet and there's no oh, pressure. So sure. a, normal, a normal play for a quarterback. Nine, bro, 80%, 90% of the time, that's not how it's going to work in the NFL. You're going to have pressure. You're going to have to be and, all and, balanced. And double Look at that, Zach Wilson's 50-yard throw to Corey Davis. Tua cannot do that. He I, cannot. What do you he mean can't. he can't do that? We just saw it he against uh, against the Jets. Devontae Parker. Bro, that wasn't the, the same throw. That wasn't what, the same what, throw, bro. That wasn't. Don't compare about? that throw to Zach's, bro. That I'm wasn't the saying, same you're throw. You're saying he couldn't do it, but that's pretty similar where he has nah. to thread the needle perfectly. Nah. Exactly Those are two did. different throws. Zach's Not was 50 even. yards. Zach had an amazing throw. But On the run. Yards was Tua's? How many yards was Tua's? Uh, Not 50 yards. Not 50 yards. That definitely not 50, 50 yards. yards actually you just pulling that no, out. No, it was no, it really was, it, it was, was 50 yards. Yeah. Listen, like was he was at he was b- behind the 50 yard line and it hit and Corey it Davis the zone, in the touch the in the in the end zone. It was an amazing throw and listen, I'm not low on Zach. I've never been low on Zach. Oh, this Only isn't my Zach. Critical of exactly my point. I just I failed to see the special with Tua. Nothing jumps off the screen. All right, right, right. I, I get it. I get it. I get it, Joe. I mean, I mean, look, look, look. Well, for one, for one, pick a side, Joe. First, we're talking about Matt Ryan. Hey, now we're on, talking Joe. about Tua. Shout out. Listen, Shout out. pick a what, what side. I'll pick a side. What do you want, bro? What do you want? Listen, I'm just saying, Kyle Shanahan would be disgusted with you right now. What's the, the way? About Tua, the the way that? Uh, I, well, we already talked about Tua. You know how I feel. Look. I'll, I'm a, just to give my final thoughts because I asked Drew if the Dolphins should move on from Tua. I'll say this: if it's for Deshaun Watson, one hundred percent, and I think they're going to pursue him this off season. You know, even if it's for another quarterback that's open, like maybe like a Derek Carr, maybe I probably still would do that. It depends, but in a heartbeat, right now, oh right oh, now, wild. right now, the Dolphins. They need to fix this offensive line. They need to get a running game. They need to bolster up their defense just a little bit because there are still some holes there. And then we're talking, right? Tua in his second season, he's showing he's a good quarterback. He's not great. He's not exceptional. He's just okay. And you sometimes we could have left it at good. We could have left it at good. He's just okay. He's just okay. So it's like the next next year is make or break for Tua. You already know how I feel about him, but next year we'll really see if okay. it's true how how we feel about it. All him. right, all right, man. Disrespecting Maddie Ice. Oh my God, shame on you, Mister. You guys told me to pick a side, then didn't tell me what to pick a side on. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I I thought. Listen, what I was saying that is that you've been so in the middle with Tua, and now we, I have been. We, but I, now I we said finally, it to start my hold argument. On, hold on, you bastard. We finally see <laughs> Tua have a statistical bad game, and now he was bad against jumping. the Saints too. Okay, the Saints have one of the best defenses in the league. I know, bro, but he gave him three points, and he still and he won the really game. Do anything. He, still, he put up 17 points. 17 points, bro. Against one of the that, best defenses in the if league. You average, one if you average 17 points a game, you're a bottom three yes, offense in the league. Yes, no duh. I agree. But against the okay. Saints, especially so that's with the a, fact that's they a have bad, no 17 weapons. points is a bad performance. I understand it's a good I understand it's a good defense. Any normal team, the Jets put up 20. Team. The Jets put up 20 against them with Taysom Hill, not Ian Book. 
<laughs> he got I don't a point. I'm to say there. <laughs> he got a there. point. I was just alluring, uh, alluding to pick a side. I, I said that because I mean, first talking about Matt Ryan, you're bashing Matt Ryan. Then you're going on two. It's I'm talking about yo. Talk about what you want to talk about. But why we? T- oh, they put where, up twenty two. Where did two come from? Twenty two. There we go. Okay, and before we go on to our next segment, we're gonna do a little intermission and, and give a shout out to DraftKings. You can use promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook and what hockey fans. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. No worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports bank partner of the NHL. And we have the link in our bio. Also, we have the merch link in our bio as well. Sweaters and t-shirts, different colors and flavors. To move on to the next topic, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. All season long, we've been talking about the Titans. Once Derrick Henry went out, we were all pretty low on them, but they've shocked all of us really being resurgent and resilient despite all their injuries they have come to play and they are now leading the AFC and with the win against Houston in week 17 they will finish first in the conference and get that bye week which is huge because Derrick Henry is slated to come back but you also have the Colts who are nine and seven who they've went on a little run this season and Drew that was your Super Bowl pick you picked the Colts to make it out of the AFC. So now, this is my question to you two guys, and I'm going to start with you, Joe. Who do you believe in more, the Titans or Colts? Because you're not getting left off the hook either because you also were on board with Drew in terms of the Colts being one of your picks to potentially go to the Super Bowl. Sleeper, yes. They were one of my sleeper teams, but the question last week was, will they? I said no. Drew said yes. So just want to you know, cross a line there. I don't think they're going, they're a sleeper team. That doesn't necessarily mean I think they're going to go. I don't think the Titans are going to go either, but who do I believe in more? How do I not pick the Titans who are six and two against teams over 500? They've beaten the Colts twice already. They have wins over the bills, chiefs, Rams, 49ers, Andrews, red hot dolphins. Their resume stacks up with just about anybody in the NFL. Joel, you tweeted it today or yesterday. Mike, Mike Vrabel, arguably coach of the year. It will probably go to LaFleur. He's going to have the best record, but Titans are possibly going to have the one seed. They have a big game against Jacksonville this week. They actually haven't beat Jacksonville, and I want to say five or six games while they're on the road. One of those games was in London, but it's been a while since they went into Jacksonville and won a game. Now, I think they'll do it finally because they're going to be huge favorites. They have a lot to go for them. Um, But when I look at this Titans team, They've won the best deep threats in the league with AJ Brown. We've talked, I feel like we've talked about the Titans a lot this last month or so. And even though Derrick Henry has been out and he practiced today, 
there's a possibility he plays this week. If not, he should be more than fine for the playoffs. Depending if they get a buy or not, I think he'll play no matter what. But even with Henry out, they've been just about the same. With Henry in the lineup, they have 219 attempts, 937 yards, 10 touchdowns, averaging 4.3 a carry. Without Henry in the lineup, 229 attempts, 985 yards, 6 touchdowns, again, 4.3 yards per attempt. Obviously, having Derrick Henry in the lineup, it's going to change things. Statistically, it looks about the same, which means the the productivity over a six-game sample is somewhat replaceable. But Henry being in the game, it adds a whole other element. Deontay Foreman has done well in his... You know, his limited touches, I don't trust him over a full season, obviously not to do any sort of, um, you know, be able to replicate what Derrick Henry is going to do. And I got to give a little credit to Tannehill, too. I know he's coming off a bad game. There's one quarterback who I've been out on. He had 120 yards, bro. It wasn't a great game. He managed the game, I understand. It wasn't it great. It wasn't a bad game. He threw two touchdowns with no picks. He managed the game. He didn't throw any interceptions. How was that a bad game? Fine. You said that he's coming off a fine. bad game. In the rain. He was fine. Inclement weather. Weather. The Dolphins scored three points. Inclement weather. I understand that. What are we Regardless, talking about here? I get a lot of hate, especially from Serge, about Wentz. Man. But, I mean, if you trust Wentz, how do you not trust Tannehill? Even though Wentz is in a better position with the better offensive line, the Titans actually have the 30th ranked offensive line. He doesn't really have that many much better stats. Pass stats protection in terms wise, of comparing yes. him to Ryan Tannehill. Yes, pass protection wise. We're talking about Tannehill. That's what I'm looking for right now. Tannehill has a higher completion percentage, more yards, only three less total touchdowns. Yes, the one thing is Tannehill has eight more interceptions than Wentz, but he only has three more turnover worthy plays. He just been a little bit unlucky this year. And Tannehill's been sacked 20 more times. So I look at this team, you're getting Derrick Henry back. You're already beating the Colts twice this season. For me, it's pretty easy. I think their their defenses are about average. Darius Leonard's kind of, he's not going to win defensive player of the year, but he's been one of the best linebackers in the game this year. And really since like 2018, the ability for him just to play sideline to sideline, force fumbles, interceptions. He's really been one of the best defenders in the league. But I'm looking at both of these teams. It's really hard for me to pick the Colts. <laughs> Oh my god! Tell you what, I'm tired. I'm tired of hearing this turnover-worthy plays. Like enough, okay? I get it. Why? Like, like it's a good stat in terms of we get the grand scheme of things. But but then we're looking at, at elite talent and just saying that they're not. You know, they should be turning the ball over more. That that or Wentz or Tannehill elite. I'm just not saying that. I'm just saying in general. You you look at we 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 scrutinized Mahomes a few weeks ago with his turnover-worthy plays, but. Do we really care about that, truthfully, given the fact that he's I, still doing what he's doing? I like, care more I, about I, them because Mahomes had a ton last year that didn't turn into interceptions, and he has a ton this year that have turned into interceptions. So I think it's a little more sticky year to year than just regular interceptions. I understand the whole sentiment of it. I just don't like it, given the fact that it didn't happen. It's not concrete. It, it, okay. Ultimately, but, we're talking about something but that— But if a receiver drops a ball and the DB intercepts it, why is that a quarterback fault? Why, why should I, that be see, on the quarterback? See, I, I agree with that to a degree. But that being said, what does that matter to? Ultimately, it's a it's a, a play that happened that the defense made. Uh, okay, you, you both are having – you, you both, you know, make some great points. I'm going to uh, – Yeah, just that's, that's just – yeah, I yeah. apologize. I, I got a little off look, look, I, I'm going to side with Joel here. I think turnover-worthy plays is a very useful stat. But w- what I will say is that you have a knack for disrespecting good quarterbacks – First, it was Matt Ryan, who's a former league MVP. Listen, you got to get your brain checked out now. And then you're talking about Ryan Tannehill, who, for one, Ryan Tannehill, by all 
intents and purposes is a mana hill. And two, he's been rated as a top eight quarterback in the past two seasons. Before this, when did I disrespect Tannehill? You were no, just disrespecting Joel, you Tannehill. Just, you, Joel, you've been disrespecting Tannehill over the last few weeks, saying how he's regressed since last year, regardless he of definitely what the me, me, yeah, but yes, yes, I definitely you. have. But yeah, but the situation matters. <laughs> I definitely have. But I'm just saying, Joe wants to come in here and bring his, you know. All this advanced stats with his glasses, PFF. Well, we we understand you have a PFF membership, right? For, all right, we we do too. This is what I want to say because Drew, I know you're going to pick the Colts unless I am missing something. I'll, I'll let you speak. But and we're talking about the Titans. You talk about Matt Lafleur being Coach of the Year. Matt Lafleur deserves Coach of the Year, but should he win it? Absolutely not. Mike Vrabel is the coach of the year. The Titans are 11-5. They have played a record 88 players this season and are one win away from solidifying and having the first seed in the AFC with the bye week. Despite Derrick Henry's injury, they have been able to win games and have similar production from Deontay Foreman. They are 6-1 as underdogs this season. They have beaten the Chiefs. The Bills, the Red Hot Dolphins, like you've mentioned, the Colts twice. The resume speaks for the for itself. And before Mike Vrabel arrived in Tennessee in 2018, the Titans made the playoffs once in nine years. And they have now had four consecutive winning seasons, three consecutive trips to the playoffs, and two consecutive division titles i understand the coach of the year is not a resume award it's what have you done this season but based on what mike vrabel has been given this season with aj brown julio in and out of the lineup and julio not even giving you julio production derrick henry out playing a record 88 players and still being 11 and 5 and most likely finishing first in the afc mike vrabel is 100 percent the coach of the year. No doubt about it. And to answer the question, I I agree. I agree. To answer the question, I trust Tennessee. I trust Tennessee more than the Colts, without a doubt. But the Colts and the Titans are very similar. They both don't have great pass-blocking offensive lines. They both are very run-oriented. The Colts just don't have weapons on the outside. The Titans do. They have a little bit more with AJ and Julio. Maybe he could even be a, you know, a, a glimpse of himself, just a little bit of sparkle of himself. And then on defense, they have similar personnel. Their defensive fronts are really good. Their secondary is, they have good players, but they're shaky. Uh, I think what sets the Colts and the Titans apart is that Kevin Byard is their safety, and the Colts don't have a great safety. But the Colts also have a great linebacker in Darius Leonard, and the Titans don't have a linebacker as good as Darius Leonard. So their personnel, their team is very similar, but... I don't really trust Carson Wentz, and that that's what kind of that's what holds me back from the Colts. And I get you were just praising Carson Wentz. No, I said it's a conversation because with similar, I said I said between that was the Wentz and Dak debate. I said between him and Dak, it's a conversation because when Wentz is given a good supporting cast, he is a similar quarterback production wise. But we have never seen Carson Wentz in a playoff game play a full playoff game. We saw him once, but then he got out because he was concussed. We've never seen him play a full playoff game. The only year we can look back to is 2017, but he got injured and Nick Foles led that team to the Super Bowl. 
I'm not sure what I'm getting from Wentz in the playoffs. Because of that, I trust Tennessee just a bit more. But I do think the Titans, now that they're getting Derrick Henry, I mean, this could be a Super Bowl contender. And I was wrong for counting them out earlier in the season. I didn't understand how great of a coach Mike Vrabel was. I didn't understand how resilient and how much of a man Ryan Tannehill was. That guy's been, look, he's had his he's had his turnovers this season. He hasn't been what he's been in 2020 or 2019. But he's been tough. He's been he's been for tough. He's been American made. That's that's what I could say about him. He's getting sacked a lot. I mean, this guy's getting hit every play. And I was on Titans Reddit the other day, and they were talking about how they might have ruined Tannehill because Tannehill is so shell-shocked from all the hits he's taken this season. He's regressed. There's no doubt about that. But I still believe in the Titans more than the Colts. And I'm not sold on the Colts because I think Carson Wentz is not a quarterback that can perform in high-leverage moments. This is a very interesting debate because now we're seeing Ken, King Henry come to the Tennessee Titans lineup. And all along, I've been very adamant that you bring Derrick Henry back onto the squad. Things get interesting. I always said it throughout the entire of the season. If Titans are healthy, they're a great competitive team. They could beat anyone. Now, I also have said that if the Colts play the Titans for a third time this season, I do believe the Colts come out on top. First meeting they had was ugly. Tennessee washed them. That's when the Colts were playing some of their worst football this season. Then they go, they meet up a second time. A way better game. One of the better games this season. 34-31, Tennessee comes out on top. Colts showed great strides in their progression throughout the season in that game specifically. You had JTB dominant. You had Carson Wentz show a good performance. I do believe that if they do play a third time, that the Colts will win. Now, that's if they meet first round. Who knows how the things will – well, if right now we're looking at Titans who probably are going to be or possibly are going to be the number one seed in the AFC. So that would mean the Colts have to win a playoff game. And the way things are going now, Colts would probably have to play the Chiefs or the Patriots. I do believe – or excuse me, the, are the Bills right now number They Actually, number they play three. the Bengals if they were to play right now. They, play, they would play the Bengals. And that would be a great game personally. You, If we're looking at just what happened week 17 – People are always going to, or people are just immediately going to say, well, the Colts don't stand a chance. How do you lose to the Raiders? That's a game that you should easily have in your back pocket. But we're not putting out the fact that John Madden did unfortunately pass away and we didn't speak about him at all. And, and I wanted to take a moment to, to, to give him his, his due diligence, what he meant to the game, what he meant to the NFL, what he meant to the Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders organization. He'll be greatly missed. One of the great minds in football history. We'll never see another John Madden. His impact that he had off the field as well. One of the great commentators of the game. He became one of the, the founders of, of Madden, the, the video game, and how that game has completely changed sports entertainment as a whole. So rest in peace, John Madden. You, you'll be greatly missed, and we appreciate everything you did uh, for football. Now, to go into this game, the Raiders weren't going to lose this game after John Madden passed away. This game was for John Madden. Now, Derek Carr looked shaky to start this game, but second half, how we've been praising Derek Carr for what he can do in the clutch moments, he did exactly that this Sunday. In the fourth quarter, he came into that with, with one touchdown, two INTs, just under 200 yards, 
And he came in, he, he he was lights out in that fourth quarter. Down the stretch, he made big throw after big throw. That one over the top to Hunter Hunter Renfro was special. Hunter Renfro, I need to give him his credit as well. Hunter Renfro is a problem. He is a great wide receiver, and I do believe that he can be a wide receiver one for the Raiders. That being said, they were never going to lose this game for John Madden. I think that they had a motive that they realized they needed to get done with all the things that have gone wrong for the Raiders this season. You just add the passing of John Madden to that. Now they're amped up even more because you have people like me who are saying that the Raiders are down and now I'm fading them the rest of the season. They've come and completely shut me up these last two weeks, picking up a great win against my Broncos, picking up a great win right now against the Indianapolis Colts who are one of the hotter teams in the NFL. And they put that to bed. They came and they slayed the, the, the Colts. Didn't do a great job of start of stopping Jonathan Taylor as he had over 100 yards rushing. But Carson Wentz had a chance to win this game for them, even with all that being said. Carson Wentz missed a couple throws, and to a degree, I, I agree with what you guys are saying, that you can't truthfully trust Carson Wentz in these high-leverage situations. But we haven't seen it yet. So I'm not ready to, to be out or be in yet, but I do still think that the Colts have a team that can compete. I think this was a tough week for them. They got caught with their pants down, and the Raiders took full advantage of that. I still have faith in the Colts. In terms of Colts versus Titans, if they were to meet again, I will take the Colts. And I know I did pick the Colts to be to go to the Super Bowl. It is what it is. I'll you walk it back clip. on that? They still could go. No, they still could go to the Super is Bowl. Is that your pick, though? And I'm not... I'm not I'm not going to go back because, hey, I say it's pick a side. I live and die. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But there's still facts to prove that Jonathan Taylor has been the best running back in the league. They have one of the better secondaries in the league. They have one of the best linebackers in the league. They have one of the best defensive tackles in the league in DeForest Buckner. They have one of the best rush blocking def- uh, offensive lines in the league. And in a, in a field where there aren't too many great rush offenses right now outside of if Tennessee does get Derrick Henry back and the Bengals with Joe Mixon, but we've seen Joe Mixon be stopped this season. We haven't seen Jonathan Taylor be stopped since week four against Miami or whenever they played Miami. I'm pretty sure I'm right with week four. So in that sense of things, it's not so much that they need to rely on Carson Wentz to get it done. They have all the intangibles to still get it done outside of the quarterback position. We've seen a team where if like Joel, he's not too high on Jimmy G and there's been valid reason to understand his point of view there, but we've seen where a quarterback doesn't need to be the best or main piece in an offense and still have the capability to yep. go to a Super Bowl. You have Raheem Mostert who was one of the, the most dominant players that postseason run and was an integral part in San Fran's offense of them getting to the Super Bowl, especially what he did to the Packers. So I, I look at that and I still think the Colts do have a strong chance to go to the Super Bowl. I don't look at one team specifically in the AFC and just think that they're a clear dominant favorite. I just look at what the Colts give me and what they have over the rest of the teams on the field in the AFC and still think they could go. It would be hard. It is hard to be a team twice. This now remind me, this question was who do you trust more, correct? Yes. Yeah. Because trust is sure the Titans, but if they're playing, it is very hard. Two times, three times to be a divisional opponent is it doesn't happen often. Wait, so, so you're picking the Colts too? No, no. I trust the Titans more. But I was just making That's sure because qu- if they match up, it's it's a bit of a different question. If they, so if the if question so if win, the question is if they match up at the playoffs, Colts Titans, who who are you taking? If I'm getting if I'm getting Derrick Henry, I'm still I'm taking the Titans. I'm getting Derrick Henry. 
See, that's my thing too, because in terms of trusting and like, you just look at what the Titans have done consistently over these last years. I have to say, I trust the Titans more. Sure. They've been a model of consistency over these last couple of years. Mike Vrabel is one of the best head coaches, one of the most untalked about head coaches in our league. We, I mentioned it throughout the last couple of weeks of what he's been able to do with what he's been dealt has been amazing. That being said, if they match up, I cannot see the Colts losing the third time. I really can't. Tom will Tom will tell in that scenario. Tom will tell when talking about that scenario. Hopefully they they do meet up in the playoffs, and we'll see if your Colts make it past them and make it Super Bowl. I mean that's your pick. So let's see what happens with the Indianapolis Colts. The hold on now because we have my pick right, and 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 we're going to single that out. So let me hear your guys's pick. Hold on, I'm not ready yet. I'm going to make it next week. Next week the playoffs start. We're going to give our predictions. I'm I'm I will make my pick next week. Me too, bro. Me too, me too, me too. All right, no. I mean, I've been on KC for a minute now, but. I mean, that's so easy. Like, wow, that's so hard. Uh, listen, such a difficult it is. Choice, but, bro, City. you, you wow, want me to. So you want, and I've, I've given my two sleepers, the Chargers and, and the Colts. And now you're fading off the Colts. Interesting. Interesting. I'm, I, I'm keeping I, my I, eye no, on I said bro. they're my sleeper. They've always been my sleeper. Nah, KC's bro. my we pick, but my two sleepers are the Chargers and the Colts. We know you the know, title of the show. The my sleeper the pick aside, and I'm waiting for you guys. I'm waiting. You know, my sleeper was the Patriots, and I've been on them since like week six. And how do you feel about that? I feel great. I feel great? awesome. Yes, I feel awesome. awesome. Yes. Would you be surprised if they got bounced in the first round? Because I wouldn't. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made the AFC Championship or Super Bowl. I would be surprised. If they made it to the Super Bowl, I'd be stunned. Mac Jones, Mac Attack, baby. That's all I got to say. It wouldn't be because of him. It definitely, he'd be a big reason why. No, he'd be a reason, maybe not a big. No way. We under, we understand you're not the fault of Mac Jones because he takes not, away from not, because because Mac Jones is a, is a direct threat to Tua being the worst quarterback <laughs> amongst all Alabama quarterbacks that are currently starting in the NFL. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is better than Tua. Yeah. Wow. I'm so happy, man. I, I was on the show like week four saying that. I mean, uh, I said I've been right said it. history. It's Mac. It's Hurts. It's Tua. <laughs> we will all take I mean, it listen, to bro, last. Hurts made the playoffs first year as a starter. All right, Tua let's didn't. go next time. Tua didn't. The Packers clinched the first six. seed. Cut it out. Fitzpatrick played half the year. He did. He did. Good point. The Packers clinched the first seed in the NFC, and we have seen this numerous times already. Matt LaFleur has 39 wins in his first three seasons, which is the most all-time from a head coach. The Packers have went 13-3 and each season, probably going to go 14-3 and this year because of the added game. Now, is this the year they make it over the hump in 2019? NFC Championship got bounced out by the 49ers last year, 2020. NFC Championship lost to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is this the year the Green Bay Packers make it to the Super Bowl? Not win it. We're not talking about that. Just make it to the dance. Drew, before the season, you said this was the last dance for the Packers. And it had it not been for week one, the Rams dominating the Chicago Bears, you would have not changed your pick. But that made you change your pick to the Rams. But what do you think about the Packers? Tell you what, Packers have the personnel, have the the pieces in play to make that push. 
we've seen it over the last couple of years where their defense really had been holding them back from taking that Super Bowl leap. When they had a defense, they won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers was a Super Bowl MVP. Now we've seen over this these these years, excuse me, and they've struggled to get over that hump. They need that defensive factor to win the Super Bowl. That's every team, truthfully. You, you even look at Kansas City last season, they had a top 10 defense. So even if we want to praise that offense for being the best offense in the league, they still had one of the best defenses in the league. Excuse me, I'm talking two years ago when they, they faced San Fran. Now, talking about the Green Bay Packers, I can't say that I'm all in on them winning the Super Bowl, although everything seems to be written in the stars, truthfully. I spoke to her earlier in the season, like Joel mentioned, last dance, uh, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, both being in contract years to a degree. Aaron Rodgers, not really, because he has a, a clause in his contract that if he wanted, he can get out and he can go to whatever team that he wants. But that's just a specific contract that he has. Tay, on the other hand, is an unrestricted free agent. He can test the market if he wants to. And I look at the Packers and I think that they have the personnel to compete for championship for sure. I'm not ready to say that they are going to get over the hump without a doubt because outside, I mean, even though you look at this season, there really hasn't been any holes really. You you saw them look really shaky against the Saints week one. And other than that, Aaron Rodgers has thrown two interceptions and almost Oh, plus 30 touchdowns this season. He's been borderline perfect. Number one in QBR, uh, leads the league in fewest interceptions, has 30, I believe, 35 touchdowns, which is still top five in the league and has few, well fewer uh, attempts than Tom Brady, who leads the league in, in both passing yards and touchdowns. I just don't know if I'm ready to say I'm all in on them winning the Super Bowl. We've seen come down the stretch where, yes, they can make it to the NFC Championship two seasons in a row, but haven't been able to get over that hump. I still look at the Rams as a strong threat, regardless of what these these last couple of weeks have shown or what last week, I guess you could say. But that's only in the first half. Come, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but second half Staffy is a special player. So I'm not too stressed about the 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 Rams. Excuse me. I'm not too. Let me restart. I'm not overanalyzing what the Packers have done in this regular season because we have seen the dominant Green Bay Packers in the regular season not necessarily translate to becoming a Super Bowl caliber team in the playoffs. So do I think that they could get over the hump? Sure. I do. Like, it's possible without a doubt they, they have a top three chance in the NFC to do it. That being said, I'm not ready to say fully yes. You want me to go, Joel? You want to go? You can go. No? All right. Um, the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. Packers are going to the Super Bowl because I look at the rest of the NFC. Last year was the Bucks, who, you know, kicked them out. And the Bucks got hot at the right time. They got healthy at the right time. This year, it's kind of the opposite. They just came off a very narrow victory against the Jets. We talked about all their injuries. The only healthy running back right now is Le'Veon Bell. Fournette is expected back for the playoffs. Hamstring injuries, it's scary to play with the hamstring, regardless if you have enough time off or not. That's something that could be very easily re-aggravated. So even though Lenny's expected back, I got to see it first. Same thing with Ronald Jones. Hurt his ankle against the Jets. When is he going to be back? We already know about Godwin, Shaq Barrett. Who knows what's going to happen with AB? So if the Bucks going to walk in with Mike Evans and Gronk as your two weapons, and then you got to rely on Tyler Johnson, Grayson, Brashad Perryman, I don't feel great. And then, Drew, you alluded, you alluded to it a little bit with the Rams. The Rams are a tale of two halves. I don't know what I'm going to get in the first half with Matt Stafford this season, his touchdown to interception ratio in the first half is 17 to 12 with a quarterback rating of 90 in the second half becomes alive. His touchdown to interception ratio is 21 to three 
in a quarterback rating of 120. It's hard to get much better than that. We saw that against the Rams this past or against the Ravens this past week. Stafford was eight for eight in the fourth quarter, 155 passer rating. He has 11 touchdowns, no interceptions in the fourth quarter. So when it comes down to it, yes, Stafford could get it done. But I worry when you're playing these elite teams week in and week out in the playoffs, so you could do it week in and week out and make comebacks every single second half. Then you look at the Cowboys. They're 5-0 and against NFC East opponents, 6-5 and against everybody else. They're a good team. They're not on the Packers level. I think you look at head coach, LaFleur is better. Quarterback, Rodgers is obviously better. You look at the whole NFC, they probably have the fourth best coach and the fourth best quarterback. So I don't trust them to make a deep run. Cardinals are another team that I just, they're dealing with injuries as well. D-Hop, Watt, James Conner, Rondell Moore. What's Cliff going to look like in the playoffs? The team that does kind of worry me is the 49ers, who've had their numbers had their number in the past. Jimmy G's having a really good season. They're able to run the ball really well, keep that lethal offense off of the field. So they're a team that ruined, that does worry me. And the Eagles are kind of similar, where they're a very run-heavy team. They won the better offensive lines in the NFL. Do I think they're going to beat the Packers? No. Do I think they could give them a hard game? Potentially, just because of how well they could run the ball. And that's really been the Packers' demise over the last few seasons. So I'm picking the Packers to win the the NFC. I don't see many, I don't see much competition here. If the Rams play a complete game, sure they can do it. But the rest of the league, just too many injuries and too many question marks. The Packers are a team that I've historically been very down on. 2019, didn't pick them to win the division. They won it. Actually, I did. I did pick them to win the division. Because that's when the guys Darius Smith and Preston Smith. 2020, I didn't pick them. This past year, I didn't pick them. You guys know that. The Vikings let me down. In 2019, the Packers were one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They ranked bottom 20. And in the NFC Championship, that showed. I wasn't too sold on Matt LaFleur because I thought a lot of their games were one-score games, and I thought they looked out on a lot of those games. Last year, Matt LaFleur proved himself to me as a great NFL head coach. And the Packers got better in their run defense. But they still had holes at corner. They didn't have a second guy outside of Jair. And they still had hole at, had a hole at linebacker. This year, the Packers don't have that. Eric Stokes has been awesome as a rookie. Razul Douglas has been an amazing pickup. And the story of the Packers season this year has been their under-the-radar pickups. Devondre Campbell, I mean, who would have thought he would have been one of the best linebackers in football at this point in the season? Devondre Campbell. He's been in the league for years now. He's never had this production. 146 tackles. Leads the team. He's one of the best linebackers in football. They have shored up that position. Jair is coming back. Zadarius Smith is coming back. David Bakhtiari is coming back. I would be shocked if the Packers didn't make it out of the NFC and have a trip to the Super Bowl. Most of that is because the Packers have been so great this year. But it's also because I don't trust any team in the NFC. You know how I feel about Stafford and the Rams. I don't trust Stafford. It's simple as that. Arizona, too young 
little bit too inexperienced, don't fully trust the coaching staff. I look at the 49ers. They're good. They don't quite have enough. They don't quite have enough. And Jimmy G's their quarterback. He's good, not great, not elite. Tampa Bay, injuries, drama, dilemmas. I don't trust them. The biggest threat to the Green Bay Packers are the Dallas Cowboys. That's the biggest threat. And if the Packers don't make the Super Bowl, the Cowboys will. I know Arizona beat them this past Sunday. The refs were on the Cardinals' side. The Cowboys are the second best team in the NFC. And if the Packers don't make it, it will be the Cowboys. The NFC Championship will be the Packers versus the Cowboys. And I'm going with the Packers, but the Cowboys pose the biggest threat to Aaron Rodgers and his Super Bowl hopes this season. You really think the Cowboys are that good? Yes, the Cowboys are that good. Why? Their secondary is not spectacular by any means, man. I understand Trayvon Diggs is having a historic season with interceptions, but he still let up over a thousand, a thousand receiving yards. That's egregious. Michael Parsons wins out of division this year. Chargers, Panthers, early season Pats, week six, like they weren't really in stride yet. Vikings, Falcons, Saints. They're great against the NFC East, and the Eagles have been good this year, but against everyone else, they've been kind of average. I have a tr- I trust the Cowboys. You trust McCarthy? I trust the Cowboys. I trust Dak Prescott. He's the main man, Prescott. I trust Dak. He's, yeah. I trust Zeke and Pollard. I trust that offensive line. I trust Amari. I trust CD. I love Cedric Wilson. You trust Amari? I, tr- I, I love, Amari. I love, I love Cedric Wilson. I think I, Micah I Parsons Micah Parsons is a game changer. Demarcus Lawrence wreaks havoc. Trayvon Diggs forces turnovers. J-Ron Curse has been one of the more underrated safeties in the league this season. They got the guys, man. Dan Quinn has been phenomenal. He's revived his resume, his career. Yep. They're the biggest threat to the Packers. And if the Packers don't make it, it's because of the Dallas Cowboys. I can't agree personally. I understand the, that the Dallas Cowboys have been playing relatively great football this season throughout the entirety. I agree. That being said, I just don't see how we can sleep on the Rams. Truthfully, I I, I just it, it baffles me still that we're understanding or trying to take in this narrative that staff you can't get it done. He can't. We saw him. He's never done we it. Saw, we saw him full. All right then. So then, did you feel that way with Patrick Mahomes? I'm asking. When nope. Patrick Mahomes was up and coming, why though? You didn't see it. I saw Patrick Mahomes perform, but you didn't. But at, so in prime time moments all the time. But we didn't see it in the playoffs. We've seen. Yeah, we did. Matty do it. Yeah, we did. When? Yeah, we did. In the playoffs, when in the playoffs he versus lost. the he lost, but he played chill. a great game. <laughs> no, I'm not and if it wasn't, and if it wasn't, if it wasn't for D Ford, playoffs, if, I'm asking you. If it wasn't, you believe in Mahomes? Yes. Yes. Absolutely, 100%. But why you never saw it in the playoffs? I saw enough from Mahomes in big-time games. His, in the regular season. His first big-time game in primetime was actually against the Broncos, and he torched yeah. you guys. He lit you I guys up. We're a mediocre team. He lit y'all up. We're a mediocre team. It's not. Matthew Stafford not only hasn't performed in the playoffs, he hasn't done it in primetime games. That's, that's his problem. He hasn't done it in primetime games. This year... The Titans. He struggled. The Titans. Against the Cardinals? The 49ers. Oh, that's the only one. Okay, I'll I'll give him that. What what do you mean? It's his most recent one. Bro, versus the Titans, versus the 49ers, 
What happened? He laid an egg. The first match of versus Arizona, he laid an egg. And what about the first okay, half? So- the first half stats, they 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 trouble me, man. I just don't know if you could struggle that much in the first half against these top tier teams. I do think the Rams are the second best team in the NFC. But when you're going against the Packers, this is arguably the best Rodgers has ever been. You have to be damn near perfect to really win. I mean, the the Rams have the personnel to do that. They do. Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in football. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in football. Vaughn Miller is still an effective pass runner. Rusher, excuse me. Leonard Floyd is one of the better middle linebackers in the league, linebackers in the league. So I, the only thing you could say about the Rams and the, their it may, their other issue or main issue to me personally would be that second corner. I feel like they do need to address that. But that being said, against against the Ravens, Williams played a really great game. He he he, he did his thing specifically down the stretch of that game. He played lockup defense. But again, we're talking about Matthew Stafford not being able to get it done, quote unquote. Meanwhile, Joel said it perfectly: eight for eight in the fourth quarter, and he's the he's main great. reason that they he won that second game. second half, them. fourth quarter. He's probably the best quarterback in the league. So I don't want to hear that he right up there with Rogers in the biggest moments of the game. There's no one better than Matthew Stafford. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> what? Nobody's better? Second half, he's phenomenal, bro. He has a 21-3 touchdown ratio. Who do you trust more in the fourth quarter? Derek Rogers. Carr or Matthew Stafford? Matthew Stafford. Oh, that's a good question. Because Carr is nice, too. But this year, I'd have to go with Stafford. I'm going with Derek Carr 100%. That's fine. He's I'm a gamer. That. That's what he yeah. is. He's and a Stafford gamer. And not Stafford like Derek Carr. That's just not like Derek Carr. Derek Carr's a gamer. Stafford's been great this year in the fourth quarter, bro. I mean, you keep having your faith in Matthew Stafford. That's fine. I'll let you have your moment. Playoffs, we gonna see. We gonna see if my hunch about Stafford is correct. You can use all the stats you want. I'm going by feeling. What I feel in the gut. I got my spidey senses. I told you I've been watching a lot of Spider Man. I think that rubbed off on me. I got some Spidey senses now. Uh, yeah, so the Packers are getting, different this year. If I'm getting a gauge of things, am I the only one? Well, Joel, you know, I appreciate it. You said that the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. I can respect the thing like that. You know, finally getting some 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 density, some some real, some real meat into what a take is going on. I, I need someone Love to really about hit you already know. I need someone to hook me up with 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 a genuine take, a strong opinion on who's going to the Super Bowl. Joel, please, uh, Joel, please enlighten me. Who's going to the Super Bowl for you? I, I said the Packers. I, I said the oh, Packers. So Packers are Packers are going. Yes, I said it. Packers are going. I said it okay. yeah, from the NFC. Okay. Uh, all right, his all right. He's saying they should go. That's what I heard. No, I said they, they will. I said I'd be shocked if they didn't. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have any doubt that? Rodgers can do what Brady's doing right now. Playing 40, to his 40s? Mid-40s. Because Rodgers playing damn near best football ever at, what is he, 38? He could do it. No, he can't. Tom Brady's no. one of a kind, bro. Nah, Rodgers is different. Rodgers, Rodgers is getting better He's not age, Brady, bro. bro. Like, that being said, He's though, got I've back-to-back said MVP caliber seasons. And I've said it multiple times. I do strongly believe he wins this championship. It's over. He's retiring. I don't know, man. He's got so many good years left. I think he stays with Green Bay. I don't think he's leaving. You look at Roger Stallback, who's one of the greats to ever play this game. 
they say that Roger Staubach is one of the most disappointing ends to her career. Not disappointing in the sense that he couldn't do it because obviously he won. He, he, he has the resume and everything for it. One of the best quarterbacks to ever touch a field. He left at 36 years old. People, and he, he was more than comfortable with that decision to walk away. Now, we're looking at Rodgers, who when it comes to the mental side of things, no one, and I mean no one outside of Aaron Rodgers, knows what's going on in between the ears. So I'm, I'm and I'm saying this that I think he'll retire, right? So I'm thinking that I know what's going on in his head, so I'm a little hypocritical in that sense. But that being said, it would not shock me. He doesn't need football. Aaron Rodgers is at the point in his life where football is secondary to how he feels as an individual. And sure, he's amazing at football, and it would be so upsetting to see him walk away at this point in his career where, he, like you said, he's playing some of the best football of his career. That being said, it would not surprise me to see him walk away on top. You make an excellent point. Now, moving on, you talked about the Rams a little bit. This is a perfect segue. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is someone who there's been a lot of talk about him throughout the entire season because, yes, he's shattering these records, but the question is how good is he really? Where does he really rank amongst the top wide receivers this year? 138 receptions, 1,829 yards, 15 touchdowns. He's in company with Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and Marvin Harrison. Those are the only three to have those numbers or anything similar to that. But before this season, he wasn't this productive, and that's led people to criticize his spectacular season more than we have done with other receivers in the past. Do you think Cooper Cup is getting too much disrespect how do you feel about him? Where does he rank amongst current wide receivers? And also answer, if if you're starting a team, is he one of the first five wide receivers you're taking? This is rich coming from y'all. Because you you guys were the ones who were disrespecting him earlier in the season. I had him the number one receiver this year. Y'all had him like two and three. I had him two to Devontae Adams. Put me in jail. Okay, okay, okay. Whatever. Devontae Adams, sure. Thank you. Cooper Cup has been amazing this year. He's been phenomenal. I had him ranked number one. Devontae Adams, obviously, pure talent-wise, sure, I'll take Tay over Cooper Cup. And a lot, a lot of this gets taken out of context because he does all of his damage in the slot. Do you want to know who leads the league in targets in the slot? Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Jettas, Deontay, Tyreek, DJ Moore, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, Hollywood, Waddle, Brandon Cooks, Godwin, Terry, Jamar Chase. Top 10, these are like... Seven of the top 10 receivers in the league best of the best. all get m- the most targets in the slot. So I don't really care that he's getting all of this work in the slot because he's Sean McVay told him to do a job and he's doing his job better than anyone else in the NFL. Should we take anything away from Debo because Shanahan has run plays designed for him and all these special screens and plays designed specifically for Debo that damn near no other receiver in the league gets? Should we take anything away from Micah Parsons, who Dan Quinn specifically puts up special blitzes for him so he could be put one-on-one with the running backs so he's able to get after the quarterback? If we're not taking anything away from them, why should we take away anything from Cooper Cup? He's having a historic season. Am I taking him top five? Mm, I have a thing about that. I'll let Drew go or Joel, whoever wants to go next, and I'll get back to you. He's definitely top 10, but I need a second if I want to take him top five. All right, so in terms of the disrespect that he's been getting, yes. And I don't – maybe this is a, a little bit strong. And I, I think that it is due to the fact that we're not seeing Cooper Cup be 
like every other route runner where where he is the fastest or maybe he's not the cleanest or, or you in terms of catching the football, getting open, Cooper Cup is one of the best in the league. And because he's not the strongest, he's not the most athletic, just view wise, people look at him and they don't see it immediately. How I spoke about a little bit with Mac Jones is similar to Cooper Cup. He doesn't pass the eye test for normal people. Cooper Cup is still one of the best players in the NFL. And and that's something that you can't argue, especially with the numbers that he's been putting up. Number one in yards, number one in touchdowns. What what, what more do you want? Number one in reception, excuse me. What more can you ask of a player from what Cooper Cup has given this team? Go look at the game log for Cooper Cup. You want to talk about insanity? Go look at Cooper Cup's game log where almost every single game he has is double-digit receptions and triple-digit receiving yards. It's crazy. What he has done is nothing short of miraculous. Now, in terms of top five yard or top five players and starting a franchise, that is extremely difficult. I'm going to take Devontae Adams. I'm probably taking Tyreek Hill. I'm definitely taking Jettis. I will probably take Jamar Chase. Yeah, if we're doing starting a franchise, the question changes. If we're doing starting a franchise, the question's different. I would probably take Debo Samuel, too. The only reason why I have a little bit of fear with Debo Samuel is the fact that he's injury prone. That's the only thing really holding me back from firmly saying uh, Debo Samuel, but Debo Samuel can do everything for me. You want to talk about a gadget guy. Sir Cooper Cup has those abilities. But Debo Samuel is so freakishly athletic. His ability to make a player miss, his ability to break tackles is some of the best that I've seen in this league by far. And another name that I this might be surprising, and it's unfortunate that he did tear his ACL and he's out for the season, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is one of the most underrated wide receivers in this league when it comes to talking about the top five players in the league. Chris Godwin this season, 98 receptions, 1,100 yards, five touchdowns and the touchdowns aren't more because he plays with one of the best end zone threats in Mike Evans. And also surprisingly, Rob Gronkowski, who's one of the league leaders in touchdowns at the tight end position, Chris Godwin, in my opinion, needs to be spoken about in this conversation a little bit more for what he has done, his abilities on the field, his route running abilities, his ability to get open, his over the top game is just as good. if not as good as Mike Evans, who, Obviously, is known for his over-the-top abilities, but Godwin has that physical capability to do so. It's just they need him to run this specific scheme, and he can be successful in any type of scheme you draw up for him. So in terms of the top five, it's really difficult. What about A.J. Brown? That is also very difficult for me because going into the year, I've said it a few times, you could convince me that A.J. Brown was the most talented receiver in the NFL going into this year in terms of breaking a tackle in terms of physicality, in terms of hands, in terms of big playability. There is no one that I I really was looking at that had all of these things that I wanted outside of AJ Brown going into the season. I don't know if I would lean him right now, given the fact that cup has these numbers and they're just something that you just can't overlook. So, but you can overlook it when it comes to guys like Devontae Adams, when it comes to Jettis, when it comes to Tyree kill, when it comes to Jamar Chase, who Jamar Chase is in his rookie year putting up 1,413 touchdowns, and that is going to be basically the story of his entire career. He's going to be an all-timer 
I genuinely do believe that with Jamar Chase. So it's tough to say top five, definitely top eight, but there are some great names at the wide receiver position. You guys know how I feel about Cooper Cup. Um, I, I think if I'm starting a franchise, I'm probably taking eight to 10 receivers over Cooper Cup. But I'm not taking away anything from what he's doing this year. He Cooper Cup is the triple crown king this year. Receptions, yards, and touchdown leader. He has 15 games of 90-plus reception reception yards. and uh, He has 15 games of 90-plus reception yards, which is a single-season record. He's in company with names like Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, and Randy Moss. What he's doing, we might never see again. It's just as simple as that. But it's hard for me to take the him over certain players because I think age is a big factor. But also, I think what's holding back a lot of people from elevating Cooper Cup higher in the top wide receivers list is that this is his first real elite season. He's had great seasons in the past, but he hasn't had an elite one. Before this season... He only had 100 receptions in a season once. He only had 1,000 yards once. And three of his five seasons, he's had six touchdowns or less. This year, he has 15 touchdowns. It's not that we're disrespecting Cooper Cup. It's just that this year feels like an outlier year. It doesn't feel like he can do this year in and year out. When talking about Devontae Adams, we know he can do this year in and year out. We're talking about Jamar Chase as a rookie, 1,400 yards. He's going to be doing this for the rest of his career. He's going to be doing this for five years minimum. When talking about Tyreek Hill, he's done it year in and year out. When talking about Justin Jefferson, he's done it for the past two seasons. He has the most receiving yards for a player in his first two seasons in NFL history. So they've done it. This is the first time Cooper Cup has put up elite level production which is why it's hard for a lot of us to elevate him higher in the conversation. If I'm starting a team today, Cooper Cup is not in my top five of receivers I'm taking. I'm taking Adams. I'm taking Jefferson. I'm taking Hill. I'm taking Jamar Chase. I'm taking A.J. Brown. I'm probably taking Debo. Cooper Cup is like in that 7th to 10th range, and that's where I think he is. But this year, yes, he's having the best wide receiver season but I think it's warranted for the the reasons people have for not elevating him is warranted because this is his first elite season and he's been injured in the past but even when he's been injured in the past like um cup cup has been fairly healthy the only time he's been injured was in 2018 he only played eight games he had a 566 yards that year I mean that's on pace and for six touchdown. You're right. And six touchdowns. Yeah. That, that's on pace for a thousand, but is it on pace for 1,400, 1,500? Like, we know a thousand is the, a thousand yards is the gold standard, but that's a great receiving season. What's elite? Elite is like 1,300 or 1,500. That's elite level season. This is the first time we've seen Cooper Cup do that, which is why I think people uh, aren't elevating him. And he's also. Not a tra- traditional traditional X. But let me ask you guys this question. I think our podcast thrives on asking the tough questions. Because this podcast asks tough questions, I'm going to put you guys in an uncomfortable 
predicament, but give me your honest answer. Are people not elevating Cooper Cup higher in the top wide receivers conversation because he is a white receiver? This and Joel, you, I, if you want to give your thoughts, you're more than welcome to. Um, I didn't want to allude to that in my original statement just because I'm not trying to make anything racially motivated. That's not the intention. No way. But to a degree, I feel as if there is a little bit of scrutiny to his game because of that. And that's what I was kind of alluding to in the terms of the eye test. People just don't see a, a guy like, well, you look at Wes Walker and Wes Walker for what the production that he gave. He was never given that elite status, even though he has the numbers to say he was elite in the time that he was playing but never really was given that, that nod of being a top five guy. I, I, it is, a t- it's very tough question to ask you hundred percent. Right. And, and just talking about it, you don't want to make the game racially motivated. And that's why I try not to, 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 to view Cooper cup in that manner. But I feel like in the grand scheme of things, there are some people that definitely do look at Cooper cup and hold him back to a degree based on the, on the fact that he is a white receiver. I think I think it does hold him back. I think because he's white, he's not getting the recognition that other receivers would typically get for for having this great of a season. And we saw that with Christian McCaffrey not too long ago. We saw the exact same thing. So I do think it's holding him back. But um, outside of that point, I I do think I think it's because he's white. But I also think it's because this is his first elite season. This feels like an outlier season more than anything else. He hasn't had a season similar to this in his entire career yet. And I want to allude to that a little bit, too, because we saw it in 2019. I mean, mean, this is elite to me personally. 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns. We saw Stephon Diggs burst onto the scene last season with 1,500 yards, and we immediately launched him into the top three category. It was Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, in that order. So – the fact that he's just bursting onto the scene and, and people are so hesitant to, to throw him into the, to the top three, top four, top five conversation. It, it's tough for me, especially with the fact that we gave Stefan this immediate recognition when in a similar spot as Cooper cup, even though he did have 1110 touchdowns, what had he done pre- previous to that with what a thousand yard seasons, just breaking a thousand in 2018 had 1100 in, in 2019 and then got traded and was amazing. 1500 yards for sure. And, and, and 30, 31%, 31, per, 31.7. Let me say that again. 31.7% of Cooper cups routes are on the outside. So he, he plays out wide 31.7% of the time he's in the slot 66%. So the majority of his work is in the slot, but he does play out wide. It's not like he doesn't at all. He does play out wide. One other name I'll bring up, too, that we haven't said yet is CeeDee Lamb. I think if we're starting a franchise right now, I would also be taking CeeDee Lamb. But I don't I have, think so. I'll go Cup. I would, I would definitely take CeeDee. I think, I think he's a special player. Definitely. So I have him. I would, I would take CeeDee. He's 20. Was he 22? Are you taking CeeDee over Godwin? No. Close. Are you taking CD over Diggs? Yes. Are Starting a franchise? AJ? Yeah, I'm asking yes. Are you taking CD over AJ? AJ. But AJ. but Joe, I want to get your take on that. Do you think that uh it is because Cooper Cup is white? It plays into it for sure. Um, like Drew said, he did have a good season in 2019. I just don't think anyone expects him to repeat this, which is fair. I mean, it's a 
you know, historical seasons be really hard to repeat this. Um, did I lose you guys? No, good. Um, but I, I think it definitely plays into it. And you were fair talking about how CMC was the same way, where when CMC burst onto the scene, people were still kind of hesitant because mo- most of the time we see Hispanic or black players, they're the ones who are the top elite players at the skilled positions. So when CMC does it or Cooper Cup does it, we want to see it for a couple more years. That's just kind of our confirmation bias. I think more than anything, like I want to see it before I believe it. Um, maybe confirmation bias isn't the right term there, but regardless, uh, I think it's just going to be hard for Cooper Cup to replicate the season. And I think a lot of other people think that too. Um, I think that's the number one thing, but being white probably plays into it as well. Yeah, and also Cooper Cup has 823 yards after the catch. So even if you want to knock Cup's ability in the slot, uh, well, if, even if you want to knock Cup playing in the slot, with the ball in his hands, he's one of the more dangerous players in the entire NFL. He breaks tackles. He's elusive. He's shifty. And he racks up a lot of yak. I mean, 823 yards off of yak alone is pretty damn elite. Impressive. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. And we've, we've been talking about the 49ers a little bit. I mean, the Rams a little bit. And right now we're about to talk about them even more because this Sunday there is a big time game. 49ers versus the Rams. And if the Niners win, they will solidify themselves in the playoffs. They'll have a playoff spot. And if the Rams win, they'll finish first in the NFC West. So this is a big-time game for both teams. But Jimmy G might not play. And if Jimmy G doesn't play, that means Trey Lance is going to play. Now, do you have faith in the 49ers beating the Rams and making the playoffs if Jimmy G doesn't play, or even if he does play. What do you think about that? Personally, I didn't have the Niners winning this game, regardless of whether Jimmy G or Trey Lance had played. That being said, Trey Lance, this past Sunday, didn't have an amazing game. He had a good game. He definitely had his mistakes, though. One specifically that I'm looking at is the interception, which – it's, it's hard for me to say because if you look at the play that he should have made, which should have been to Debo Samuel, who's coming in on a jet sweep, who ended up just breaking towards the crib, Debo was by himself wide open. And Trey Lance had all the time in the world to sit back, survey the field, and see Debo making that route. Now, instead, his eyes were really going towards George Kittle. Was ha- just his He was 100% laser-focused on George Kittle, hitting George Kittle. And then you see him make the throw and the corner makes an amazing play on the ball interception. That was a big mistake to me. You, you, you are understanding you're a rookie. You're trying to get your feet wet, but that's one, that's a mistake that shouldn't happen. Cause if anything, what you should have done was stare off Debo, who was the one in the play at, who was actually the, the, the play action player in the, in the, in the play. And instead you hard, you hard stared the hot route, which shouldn't have happened. So I look at that, and then there was one play specifically also where he has a player running over the middle of the field towards the side of the the uh, the 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 sideline, excuse me, and it's basically him, and he catches his ball. It's a touchdown. He goes and he just throws it a little bit too low, and the middle linebacker is able to put his hand up and break that play up, which should have been a touchdown. Instead, it's broken up, and you're moving to the next down. Now, outside of that. He played a pretty decent game. There were some passes that I was very impressed with, others not so much. But mostly for the majority of this game, I looked at Trey Lance and thought that he he played a solid game. 249 yards, two touchdowns. 
An interception that, again, we spoke about a little bit, wasn't the hugest fan of that play, but it's mistakes that could be fixed. It's one of those that the quarterback coach or, or the, the head coach, Kyle Shannon, can go and talk to him and say, hey, next time, don't stare at this guy too hard. Defenses read eyes. And w- what you did was a, a glaring, obvious decision that you just need to to try and minimize next time. So, and it was against the Texans. So this is a game they should have won. They did win. And it was, they, they didn't win because Trey Lance was overly amazing, but Trey Lance was a big part of why they won for sure. And and going into this game against the Rams, I struggle a little bit to see how he's going to play against the Rams because you got Jalen Ramsey that you got to worry about. The Texans pass rush is not Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd. Good. It, it is nowhere near that. So it's a whole different type of of personnel that they're going to be facing against Trey Lance is not going to be able to get away with some of these mistakes that he made against the Texans against these Rams and the Rams have been playing decent football regardless of what last game says they look terrible in the first half second half came they were a whole different team Matthew Stafford put them on their back they had an amazing second half amazing fourth quarter going eight for eight like Joel alluded to a little bit earlier in this podcast and he was amazing and he was able to come down last seconds of the game Put, a, put together a game-winning drive, put together an, an impressive throw to Odell, who made an even more impressive catch on fourth down, very clutch, and the very next play after, scores a touchdown to Odell. They just have too many guys on this offense that offense that defenses need to be worried about. We spoke about Cooper Cup just seconds ago, the, the, the best statistical wide receiver in the league right now. You have Odell, who has rejuvenated his career, uh, coming to to the Rams as of right now, he has six touchdowns in set, uh, six t- six touchdowns in eight games, I believe. Ha- since the since coming to this team, he's been the Odell that we had expected him to be on the Browns. I'm happy that he has completely changed that narrative. Odell is one of my favorite players in the league. If you know me, you know that I love Odell, and it was really crushing to see him struggle in Cleveland. We had such high expectations for him in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield being the prospect that he was coming out of college, the, the the rookie season that he had really excited fans and he was getting a real wide receiver option. And, and we thought that it was going to be one of the more explosive duos just didn't play out to be that way. But now he's finally coming and showing what he is really about being the Odell Beckham that we've been accustomed to over these years, doesn't have the yardage. And if you look at the yardage as compared to the Cleveland Browns, it's pretty similar actually, but the only difference is the touchdowns. He already has more touchdowns than he did in his entire career with the Cleveland Browns. And this is only in a matter of seven or eight games. So I'm looking at this Sunday and I'm thinking the Rams are going to come away with this one easy. Right now, Vegas has them in minus five odds, uh, minus five favorites. And I think that that's fair. I think if Jimmy G is not going to play this game, you're asking a lot of Trey Lance. And unless Trey Lance shows us that he's a special ball player early on, this early on in his career, it's going to be hard for San Fran to come out on top. If Trey Lance plays in this game, the 49ers don't have a chance. They will not make the playoffs if Trey Lance starts in this game. Jimmy Garoppolo is their only hope. And even if he starts, they still might lose. And if they lose, you need the Saints to lose to the Falcons, which, I mean, that's that's a toss-up game. And then the Eagles have to lose as well. And that's a toss-up too. The 49ers are in a tough predicament. And I, I kind of feel for them because... I want to see them in the playoffs, but unfortunately, we might not see them in the playoffs. Trey Lance, he was okay against Houston. Watching him, I wasn't very impressed. 
he missed so many throws, and I thought he 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 didn't maximize the offense. For one, he threw an inexcusable interception to George Kittle. He thought the corner was playing the flat. That's a Shanahan special. I was listening to Chris Sims. That was that's open in practice. He thought it was open in the game. He threw it. Interception. That was just an inexcusable, egregious interception. He missed Kyle. He missed Kyle Hushek on a wheel route, wide open. If it wasn't a walking touchdown, it was definitely a 20-plus yard gain. He missed Kyle Hushek wide open. He had another walking touchdown. I'm not sure if it was Debo or Jawan Jennings or Trent Sherfield, but on that play where they were running to the sideline, the linebacker bats it down. That's a wide open touchdown. He left two touchdowns on the board through an interception. The one touchdown he threw was a flat to Elijah Mitchell. I mean, anybody can make that throw. The other one, which was a big-time throw, was a Debo. I give him a round of applause. That was a big-time, big-boy throw. He made another big-boy throw to George Kittle down the middle. He caught it with one hand. That was amazing. He had some moments of great anticipation. But what I came away from in this game is that Trey Lance is not ready. And Jimmy Garoppolo is still the best option going forward. If he doesn't play this Sunday, the 49ers don't win and they'll miss the playoffs. Don't stand a chance. It's crazy. Is that where you said they don't stand a chance? They don't stand a chance. They don't stand a chance. Nope. I I don't know, man. I thought it's David and Goliath. We gave Zach Wilson a billion excuses to start off his season. And Trey Lance's second career start, he misses a couple throws, and all of a sudden it was just okay. If Zach he Wilson made some really impressive throws this past if Zach, game, if Zach Wilson, if Zach Wilson was on the 49ers, he'd be shattering rookie records right now. Maybe he would, but regardless, I'm not going to be so critical of Trey Lance in his second career start. I thought he looked pretty damn good on tape. Obviously, you pointed out the Debo play; that's the one that stands out. It's going to be on every highlight reel. Another one that really stands out was early in the first quarter. He has a bootleg play to his left, pressure right in his face. He flips his hits, flips his hips, and hits Sheffield for a first down. That was a good throw. Then he does an, another really good play where it looks routine. It's a 15-yard out route. The ball's out of his hand when the receiver's at the top of his route. He hasn't even broken out yet. He breaks throw. out. The ball is halfway to uh, the receiver before he even turns around. So he has a couple big-time NFL-like level throws. His first career start, he showed more than enough than me. I agree. I think Jimmy G, if he's going to be playing, he should. If he's healthy, he should be playing. He did practice today. So it's a good sign if you're going to be practicing um, on a Wednesday. Trey Lance made one mistake. It was the interception. It wasn't a great play. He should have. He was looking at, at Kittle the whole time. I thought he got off the play action to be a little bit too quick. He did have Debo open at the top for a wide open touchdown, really. But that's like his fourth read on that play. Everything is going to the left. That's where he's looking. I can't fault him for not getting to that read. But again, it wasn't a good play. Other than that, though, he completed 70% of his passes and average depth of target of 12.1. It, it unlocks a new part of their offense with Trey Lance because this season, Jimmy G has an A dot higher than 10.5 all year. It's been a lot of underneath stuff, which is fine because their offense is really good. They have some of the best rack receivers in the league. And George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk had a great game. But let's not act like... The first time they played, it's because they won because of Jimmy G, right? Jimmy G had 20 dropbacks. He ate them up underneath. He was 12 of 13 passes, less than nine yards for 115 yards. 
He, they established the run, rushing the ball 42 times for 155 yards. They got Debo involved in the rushing game, too. He averaged about six yards a carry. So it was really the short passing game and the run game that got them that victory. They won big. I think Trey Lance is more than capable of doing that. And the Rams were just really sloppy that game. It was their first game with Odell and Von Miller. Um, the receiving options had six drops. One of them was turned into Jimmy Ward pick six. So I know you don't like talking about turnover worthy plays, Drew, but that's one that's, you know, it, it might not be on Stafford because they dropped the ball. Then he got a pick six. Stafford did have three turnover worthy plays in that game. Overall, the offense just kind of looked out of sync. And, and since they were behind, they had no real ability to establish the run. Cam Akers should be back. Should be really fun to see him. First game back from Achilles, but this is still going to be the Sony Michelle show. He showed out these last few weeks. He should be the lead back going into the playoffs while Cam Akers kind of gets his foot in there. Um, I do worry a little bit. I mentioned it earlier. These first half woes with the Rams, they don't get off to the hottest start. I worry that if they get off to a slow start again, the Rams, the 49ers just can be able to rush the ball the entire second half and really just kill that clock. So Jimmy G will probably play. I think regardless if Jimmy G or Trey Lance plays, I think the Niners win this game. Oh, you're picking the Niners to win this game then? I think they do. Okay. Regardless if Jimmy G or Trey Lance plays. Okay. That's good. I mean, the Rams have lost their last five matchups versus the Niners. Did that take into I've account number, your decision? Right? I haven't thought of that. I mean, at some point, you know, you're bound to get one on your divisional opponent, uh, divisional opponent, but I'm not really worried about their last matchups the last couple of years. You know, you're, 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 the teams completely switch year in and year out. So uh, that, I wouldn't say I took into account. I mean, it is good to know that Shanahan has had McVay's number over the last few years. But I just think right now, the way that the Rams have been playing, just kind of struggling the first half, being sluggish at times. I think the 49ers are a really complete team. They don't make as many mistakes. So that's why I'll be taking them. If Jimmy G plays, I'm going with the Niners. If Trey Lance plays, they have no chance. Okay. Who are you going with, Drew? I wonder. Oh, I thought that I thought that, that was obvious. I, I said it earlier. I'm going with the Rams. The, the Rams have been playing pretty good football, borderline great football these last couple of weeks. Didn't have a great first half against the Ravens, but had a great second half. And I think that the trend continues. I think the Rams continue to roll, and they have something to prove. They got owned by the 49ers on Monday Night Football, and I think they have to change that narrative. They need to – Sean McVay needs to get this W against uh, against Shanahan, excuse me, and I think that it gets done for sure. Another big-time sure. game this weekend. It's a Sunday night football game. Is the Raiders versus the Chargers, and this is a win-and-in game. If the Raiders win, they're in the playoffs. If the Chargers win, they're in the playoffs. But if the Steelers lose, these two teams can kneel it the entire time, and they both – make the playoffs if that does in fact happen but let's assume none of that happens the Steelers win so one of these teams has to win and make the playoffs who do you have winning this game I'm so torn on this one because my dad's a Raiders fan so I'm, I kind of want the Raiders to win get into the playoffs just for him but I picked the Chargers my sleeper team if they don't make the playoffs it's hard to be a sleeper team for the Super Bowl if you're not even in the playoffs right so um, I am torn here uh, the last time these two teams played was all the way back in week four. I mean, that seems like a whole nother year as of right now, right? We're in week 18. Teams are completely different now. The Raiders team looks completely different. Chargers are more similar. Um, this was a bit of a weird game because the Raiders got down big early. It was 21-0 at halftime. They made a comeback, was able to make it 21-14 at the end of the third quarter. Just wasn't enough. The Chargers ended up winning 28-14. In that game, Herbert played really well. 
Justin completion percentage of 82, threw for three touchdowns. Eckler did his thing, 15 carries, 117 yards. And the defensive line, the Chargers really played well too. Joey Bosa um, really won his matchup against rookie Alex Leatherwood. Uh, applied seven pressures to Derek Carr and the Raiders. I mean, they got they really got after the Raiders, had 15 pressures in total. And the Raiders also lost a couple DBs in that game. Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett both got hurt. Um, so even more backups, they came in uh, banged up already. So it was a bit of a tough matchup for the Raiders. They were at match just in terms of injuries. And the Chargers just a better team at the time, even though the Raiders started off hot. Um, in my opinion, though, I look at the Chargers. I think they have the better head coach, quarterback, running back, receivers, offensive line. Both of their defenses are bad, but at least the Chargers able to get some takeaways. The Raiders have the second fewest in the NFL. So while the Chargers don't have the best defense, at least they're able to have some sort of chaos defensively and get a couple turnovers. Now these teams get after the quarterback extremely well. They're towards the bottom of the league, both in sacks. When it comes to predicting this game, it's hard for me to go against Justin Herbert in the way he's been playing this season. So I would be taking the Chargers, but a part of me wants to root for the Raiders just because of all the dysfunction Derek Carr has been able to overcome, the passing of John Madden, just it would be, you know, poetic for them to get into the playoffs this year. I don't think they'll do much because they're just going to be outmatched by damn near every other team in the AFC, just pure talent wise. So I'm picking the Chargers, but I wouldn't be mad at all if the Raiders won. I'm putting in a predicament here because I have been extremely vocal on how I don't believe in the Raiders. I said, you got to fade them. I don't think they'll win a game the rest of the season. And they have told Andrew to politely shut up. Politely. Um, It's going to be tough for them to beat the Chargers, I agree. You look at Max Crosby, you look at Nassib, these are guys that can get after the quarterback. And you're missing one of the guys that 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 is – the center is one of the most integral positions of the offensive line. Left tackle is the most important, but center is is just right behind it. This the, the the center needs to be in great communication with the quarterback so they're in sync so the offense starts to flow. And if if you lose this guy, Lindsley, it's going to be a huge hit to them. He's been one of the reasons why this offensive line has been so effective. You look at the grand scheme of this game, and who do you think will come out on top in terms of who's the more clutch player? We have Herbert, who has been scrutinized a little bit to a degree where people don't think that he can play against – over 500 teams at the level that he plays against bottom teams of the league. And I kind of disagree with that to a degree. People gave him a little bit of, 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 of criticism uh, for his game against the charger, uh, excuse me, a game, his game against the chiefs. I thought he played a fine game. I, I just thought that the defense kind of just ran out of steam and they couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. So I don't blame Herbert for that loss. I think he had a really great game. That being said, they should not lose this game against the Raiders. And maybe I'm the good luck charm for the Raiders by continually, continuously counting them out. And I'm not going to jump ship. I think that the Chargers do win this game. I think that Herbert is going to outplay Derek Carr. I think that Austin Eckler is going to have a huge part in this win. Uh, Raiders do not have the great, not a great rush defense by any means. They actually have a, a pretty bad rush defense. Uh, so I think Eckler makes his his stamp on this game. And I think the Chargers come away with the W. This is one of the harder harder games for me to to pick a winner in because I love both teams. And I wouldn't say I love both teams. I love the Chargers for sure. But the Raiders, I just love Derek Carr. That's my guy through thick and thin. One of my favorite quarterbacks in the entire NFL. And I would love for him to, to make his first playoff. So I'm hoping the Steelers lose. But if I have to pick a winner, 
I got to go with the Chargers. I got to go with Justin Herbert. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL. They have the receivers. Granted, the Raiders are 10th in pass defense. So they have a pretty good pass defense, which is the perfect formula against the Chargers. But I think with Joey Bosa coming back with Derwin James, who they were huge losses against the Texans. Those guys get after, and Joey Bosa specifically, he single-handedly dominated your Broncos. Drew Locke said he's tired. Joey Bosa, next play, sacked him and said, I'm not tired. Joey Bosa's a madman. He's a dog. Linville Joseph is excellent against the run. I'm picking the Chargers in this one. It's going to be a close game, though. The first matchup, it was one-sided. Chargers were up 21-0 in the first half. I don't think the same thing's going to happen this time, and... The Raiders playing in Allegiant Stadium. I think that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna be a big storyline. I know even in SoFi, it was basically all Raiders fans, but there's a different feeling in Allegiant Stadium. Derek Carr last game, he showed a lot of resilience and toughness coming back versus the Colts, but he made a lot of egregious throws because he was hurt, and I think he is playing hurt right now currently, and that's why I don't fully trust the Raiders. And I'm going with the Chargers, but I do hope that both teams make the playoffs because I'm a big Chargers fan and I'm a big Derek Carr fan. Yeah. I can't say the same, not by any means. Uh, <laughs> I am. Act- yeah. I mean, it is going to be a good game. Uh, that being said, there's a, sorry, real quick. Sorry to cut you off. There's no way they purposely tie, right? I don't think so. No, I think they have too much respect for themselves. What I'm hoping they got to rep our division the correct way. <laughs> Since Derek Carr joined the Raiders, he's never had a defense that ranked higher than 20th. The supporting cast on offense was only good in 2016 with Amari Cooper. I would say only great in 2016, and he went 12-3. and And this year, the Raiders are 9-7 and despite Henry Ruggs getting arrested, John Gruden being fired, Damon Arnett being waived, Darren Waller being out the majority of the year. I mean, the Raiders have gone through so much. Derek Carr is the one consistent. And statistically, he's had his worst season in years. But man, do I love him. But man, do I love some Derek Carr. I I said it before. Not y'all. Not y'all. Derek Carr is the Matthew Stafford of the AFC. At least what Matthew Stafford once was when he was in Detroit. He deserves a great situation, and I hope he does, he does get a playoff this appearance. Is, no, this is what's going to happen because Derek Carr hasn't shown anything in the playoffs either, but Derek Carr is going to leave because Joel likes Derek Carr. He's going to believe in him. He's going to put 100% <laughs> faith in him. And then here I am going to also put my faith in Derek Carr, and I'm going to I'm gonna try and not be you in that scenario. Where would you, where would you like to see Derek Carr go, Joel? Mm, let me He's not going to the Broncos, teams. obviously. Non-division. I would love to see Derek Carr go to the Steelers. Okay. I think they tried to him to the NFC if possible, but if not, that's possible. I think the Steelers, I, I think he just represents what the Steelers are all about. You think he goes for two wise. first? He, he should. He should. Yeah, what do you think too. about Washington? I love Washington as well. Washington I think cool Washington, too. they win the NFC East, no doubt about it, if Derek Carr goes there. They need to fix the defense. The defense The defense needs to get back to 2020 level, but then sure. Let me, let me ask you a question, and this might be a little bit spotty, and we'll go on to the next topic after this, but are you even throwing Terry in that conversation of wide receivers you would want to start a franchise with over Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup. I'm, I'm, I'm putting Cooper Cup over Terry. Yeah. I feel like Everyone Terry, loves Terry. 
Terry has a very I, solid fan, like core fan base that like loves him and I thinks love he's Terry like a top sure. five receiver. I love Terry. He's and really I, good. Don't get me wrong, but like he's not elite. He is I elite. I think that he, he is elite. He has the he has at least like top five. I agree. I, I don't eight. think he's top five. I agree. I'm just saying in terms of intangibles, in terms of everything you want in a wide receiver, Terry to a degree gives you all of those. Hold on. Not it, saying it, that is Stefan Diggs not elite. I think he's elite personally. He's not top five though. A bunch of receivers, all of him. He's not top five though. I was going to say because I was going to say Mike Evans is elite. He's not top five. Yeah, Terry's elite. He's elite, no doubt. There's a bunch of elite receivers. He's he's really damn good. I'm I'm not ready to give him the elite label yet. He's better than Corey Davis. Yeah, he is sick. DK DK Metcalf. (laughs) Corey Davis isn't elite by any means. (laughs) He's better than Elijah Moore. He is like this isn't new to me, bro. He's better than Keelan Cole. Bro, you called Elijah Moore Steve Smith Senior, bro. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> is DK Metcalf elite? He had an elite season. He has, uh, he's he has great t- for he sure. Thirteen TDs this year, but Terry's better so, than DK. I I think with all the intangibles taken into account, I think that that is not too far off. I just think in terms of a physicality standpoint, yeah. and in terms 12. of what they're best at. I think that DK's strong point, or excuse me, what DK is the best at, he's better than Terry in terms of the over the top. But in terms of everything taken into account, route running, D ball ability, hands, I think that's where I agree with you that Terry is better than DK. Because you think Terry's better than DJ Moore? It's yeah. really close. I think I take DJ. It's Are close. Are you taking Terry or Deontay? I'm Deontay. taking Terry. That's a conversation. That's Those, a conversation. The, the, these three, though, these three are, I think, in the same tier. But I think I would I take Deontay, DJ, Terry. Oh, you're taking DJ over Terry? Yeah, bro. He puts up more yards with just as bad quarterback play. Less touchdowns, but more yards. Yeah, t- I don't Teddy know last seconds. year, and, and DJ Moore had a great year last year. This year, DJ Moore, he's been solid. Does DJ have over 1,000 this year? He's going to get yeah, it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like he's about to get it. I think he actually does have it. I yeah, can he's, check he's got 1070. Quick. Terry's yeah. got 960. DJ's got 86 receptions. Terry's got 73. DJ, four touchdowns. Terry, five. DJ's Did having Terry a miss year. some time? No, they both played 16. All right. Well, there's nothing to say. So because there's only two games that matter this week, we are not going to do pick them. There's only two. two games that matter. Let's run it. Nah, we got to run it. <laughs> There's only two games the, that matter. For, for the grand total, Serge is going to do the math at the end of the year. We're going to get the Bro, Serge's not going to do correct. that, bro. Serge's not yeah, going to do that. That would take so damn long. <laughs> and listen, if there's one person I trust, it's Serge because I know that's he's facts. listening up until this point. Our NFL yeah, sure. pick them week 18. Let's do Chiefs it. Let's versus do it. Broncos. Zach Wilson's better than Wentz, bro. Chiefs versus Broncos. Casey. Chiefs. Is this the game that we finally beat Mahomes? We're like, I think we're seven and zero and seven against him. Something egregious. That being said, I am going with the boys. Broncos are winning this game. I'm lying. Chiefs are winning. Cowboys versus Eagles. This is gonna be a Taking great game. I'm going Cowboys. I'm going Cowboys. Washington versus the Giants. Washington. It's the Giants. The, the Giants might be the worst team in the league. Washington. They are. Bengals Washington. versus the Browns. Great game. Uh, Burrow sitting. Correct. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the uh, Baker sitting too though. <laughs> I'm going um, with the Browns. 
I'll take I'm the Browns. I trust Keenum more than I don't. Who's the Bengals back? Brandon Allen. Know? Brandon yeah. Allen. Okay, I'll trust Steelers Keenum. versus Ravens. Ben's Steelers, last game. Steelers winning this game, man. I I I told you. I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. Steelers have been playing some great football, given the what hand they've been dealt, and I think they continue to ride that. I got the, the Steelers. Ravens. Packers versus Lions. Jordan Love first start. Aaron Rodgers is Rodgers. I thought he's expected to play. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I'm know. pretty sure he's expected to play, but, I hope, but probably not the whole have, game. What reason does he have to play, given the fact that he yeah. has had a history of sitting out when games don't matter? Lafleur said that he doesn't want three weeks off for his players, so I'm expecting them to start, maybe play a half. Um, but I'll take the All Packers right. here. I'll still take Packers. I'm going with the Packers. Colts versus Jaguars. Colts. Colts. They, Colts. Need this. they need to bounce back. Bears versus Vikings. Did I say Titans before? Never beat the Jags in home. I might have said that. I meant Colts. Um, take the Vikings. I'm going to take the Bears, actually. I'm taking the Vikings. Titans versus Shocker. Texans. Wait, that goes that goes and completes it. 17 weeks. Joel has chosen the Vikings to win. Give it up for him, man. In Joel's head, they were supposed to go 17 and 0. They should have. They should have. I respect that, man. Titans versus Texans. Titans must win. Texans are going to give them a good game, but I do think the Titans win. I got the Titans. Saints versus Falcons. Take the Falcons here. That's an interesting choice, Joel. I'm not going to front with you. I think that that is a good choice, but. I just can't trust the Falcons. I think the Saints win this game. I got the Falcons in this one. Seahawks versus Arizona. Cardinals. Another really uh, good No, I'm game. taking the Seahawks. Taking the Seahawks. Jinxing them? I'll tell you what. It's going to be a great game. Seattle's been playing some really good football lately, even against the Rams where they did struggle, or you know, maybe the score didn't tell you that they they were having or playing good football. Seahawks have been playing good football. I'm going to go the Seahawks, actually. I'm going with the Cardinals. Now, Jets versus Bills. Bills. Going with the Bills. I'm actually going to go. Do the Bills need to win this game? Yeah. Yeah. They Yeah, for seeding purposes. All right, I'm going Bills. Panthers versus Buccaneers. Bucks. Bucks. Yeah, the Panthers are yeah I'm going Bucks. Panthers suck. Patriots versus Dolphins. I'm going with the Pats. What do you got, Drew? Come on. You know I'm going to be there. And my Dolphins aren't going to disappoint me. Dolphins are going to win this game. I'll take the Pats. 49ers versus Rams. I'm going with the Rams. Taking the Niners. If Trey Lance starts. If the, if Jimmy G starts, I'm going with the Niners. I love the Rams, though, man. Please, please. I'm, I'm still in the Ramley, but I think the Niners got this one. Chargers versus you know Raiders. Might, you might be out of Ramley. You might, be. might be choosing yeah. against a division rival. I know, bro. Come on, bro. Ramley's not happy with you. Chargers versus Raiders. <laughs> Take the Chargers already. I think Chargers do win this game. I got the Chargers as well. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Pickside Podcast, episode 143. We are hoping to be back in the studio next week. I know doing Zoom is a way different feeling and vibe to it. But we got to do what we got to do. We're sick. Got COVID. I, I don't know if I got COVID, but, uh, you know, we got a quarantine right now, at least for the time being. So we'll see what we do for the basketball episode. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pickside Podcast, on Twitter at Pickside Pod, and we just launched merch. 
biggestsidepodcast.com. You can go and check it out. Thank you guys so much for supporting, and we'll see you next time.